welcome. Welcome to another episode of Kill the Pod Attack Cast. I love you, man. No, no. No, you don't understand. I love you. Kids today, you know, those millennials. And they're all, the, they're all like, Hey, look, man, me. And then they're all like, Hey! Scooby Deer, Scooby Gear doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> hey, 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 let's go get tacos. Tacos sound really good right about now. Give me your keys, I'll drive. Give me, I'm okay to drive. Give me the keys! Tacos. We're going to talk about bar horror movies on the pod of the cast to kill. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Welcome to everybody's favorite bar, Attack of the Killer Podcast, because sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And everyone will know your name if you became a Patreon supporter of Attack of the Killer Podcast. So true. Because you get a shout out right here on the show. You can also get all kinds of bonus content, such as bonus episodes, awesome videos like Insane Mike's One Minute Top Ten list, killer critiques, and random video updates. All that... And a whole lot more is possible. If you became a Patreon supporter, just go to patreon.com, AOTKP. This is episode 206, and we're calling it Last Call. On this episode, we're going to be talking about horror movies that take place in bars. Wow. You wouldn't think that would be like a whole sub-genre, right? right? Well, surprise. (laughs) There's more Mm -hmm. than you think. Yeah, we could do like four of these. I know. (laughs) Uh, if you are new to the show, you can, and, and you want to know what it all means here on Attack of the Killer. I wrote this when I was drunk. Yeah. Attack of the Killer podcast <laughs> is a horror movie podcast where a group of friends get together and discuss their common love, which is horror movies. We pick a topic. We talk as if we're just hanging out, talking about movies and stuff like that. So, and it, movies that fall within that topic. So, there's probably going to be spoilers just to forewarn you. Hey, Jason. Yo, what up? Did you know we had our very own podcast network? Wait, a network of podcasts? We do! That's pretty cool. What's what's that like? I don't know. It's called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Oh, you do know. I do. It's written down here. The Prescribed Films Podcast Network is our own network. We started well over a year ago. It's been a year now. It has. Okay. And now, (laughs) it's only been like a year old, and we already have like 20 shows on the network covering various topics. Pretty cool. I know. Such great shows as Late Night Psychorama, which is a show where... Three friends uh, exhume and perform unscholarly autopsies on long-buried and forgotten horror films from the drive-in era. I just cut and paste that. I know, but their show's awesome, though. It is a great, is a great show. Those guys are cool. Another great show on the podcast, one of the newer ones, Bigfoot for Breakfast, uh, which is a 
uh, a show that talks about like the mysterious and the macabre. It's a research-based entertainment podcast that's dedicated to the exploration of anything of mysterious nature throughout the United States and beyond. Man, off the top of your head, you're good. I'm great. And then there's the newest show on the network called Brutal Breakdown, which is a show focusing mo- mo- mainly on local Southeast Iowa musicians... Uh, the hosts, Cole, Mel, and Wink, take a look at the area's past and present indie scene by chatting with people who made it all happen. So it's a cool show of about local music. Yeah. It may be from one particular area, but it's kind of cool to because I'm pretty sh- I mean, I'm pretty sure you could draw no matter where you're at in the country, your local music scene could probably draw a lot of parallels to the show. So definitely check it out. It's a great show, and yes, guys, I am listening. Because I just listened to the Elgin episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you can check those shows out and all the others on the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Just go to, just type in thepfpn.com. That's thepfpn.com. You know, I wish there was a channel dedicated to me, the horror movie fan. Well, now there is! Sponsor of the show, Shudder, is a channel for all horror fans. Uh, that all horror fans have been waiting for. Hours upon hours of horror entertainment for you to choose from. From classic horror films to original programming. You can watch live stream or choose from various categories of movies, shows, even podcasts. Four out of five dentists agree. Why are you interviewing me about this? I'm a dentist. Now get out of my office. Don't be like those lame dentists. Be one of the cool kids and sign up for Shudder today. We here at Attack of the Killer Podcast want to give you a gift. That's right, a gift. It's not herpes. You can get your first month of Shudder for free on us. Free. Absolutely free. So go to Shudder.com, enter the promo code AOTKP, and get your first month on us. So act now. (laughs) Don't be a lame dentist. (laughs) Right. Now, everybody, it's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. Since he's a stickler for fonts, this joke is for him. <clears throat> Comic Sans and Time, a Times New Roman walk into a bar. The bartender says, hey, we don't serve your type here. Hey, everybody, it's Tad. <laughs> hey, that's a pretty decent one. Good, yeah. good job. <laughs> that year he had amnesia. Uh, his pickup line at bars was, so do I come around here often? The one and only Jason. <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in listening to our little show. This next guy walked into a bar and asked for ten shots of their finest single malt scotch. The bartender sets him up, and then he takes the first shot and pours it on the floor. Then he takes the last shot and does the same thing. The bartender asks, why would you do that? He replies, well, the first shot always tastes like crap, and the last one always makes me sick. The ever-affordable Andy! (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I might be this one joke guy guy runs into a bar and he just goes give me four shots of your of your um hardest stuff right and the bartender lines up four shots of this of this really hard liquor and he this guy just starts pounding him he gets down to to like the the third one and he just goes hey buddy what's your problem he just goes you'd be drinking just as hard as if if you had what i got and he just goes what's that about 50 cents and then he takes the (laughs) shot <laughs> awesome. All right, so I'm tired now after all that. I'm going to turn it over to Tad. Tad! All right. 
Um, if you've listened before, you know what this is. This is the uh, What We Watch segment, where we talk about what we've watched since the last time we recorded. So I'm going to go ahead and kick it off with Jason. What have you watched? Well, I have watched a few things. Um, <clears throat> the only real movie that I've watched... I guess it's not really horror, too, but I finally checked out the Murder on the Orient Express remake from 2017, um, directed, starring Kenneth Branagh. Branagh. It was all right. Was that like the murder mystery on a train, right? Right. Oh, man, I hated that one. Agatha Christie novel, right? Oh, it's not good? Because, like... And it's a remake. I'm guessing because Jason's... Yeah, it's a remake. It's a, it's definitely a remake, and I th- always liked the original. But I also feel I thought it was cool this movie came out in like a gone era of murder mystery movies. Sure, you know, um, you just don't get that genre anymore. Which is also why I'm st- psyched to see Knives Out, and I still have, but I still haven't watched it yet. That's, oh yeah, that's really good. Really good. I yeah, liked it. Yeah, Murder on the Orient Express. I just, I don't know. It was just kind of, I I don't. It just was okay. Yeah, it did nothing for me. I was hmm. bored to tears in theaters. There Interesting. Were, yeah, there were definitely... I, I can't... I didn't really decide why, other than... I don't know if it was just tried to be too cool. I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah. So, and so besides the movies, I, I, ended, I watched a lot of TV... Um, That's what I was gonna say because it's we're while we're recording this we're all sort of quarantine locked down and yeah. I figured this would be like the longest episode ever <laughs> you would think. Uh, last night uh, we skipped a couple weeks there, but uh, Tina and I finished off McMillions on HBO. Oh man, what a what a crazy mixed up situation that is. I don't know, Tad, if you get finished that one yet or not. But no, I need to catch up. I'm, I think I've done three episodes maybe so i have a lot to catch up on but it's crazy town about the mcdonald's uh monopoly monopoly fraud fraud. anyway uh then uh tina yeah Hmm. yeah it turns out all those years every person there was no winner it was all fraud none of us stood a chance of winning ever yeah it's crazy fuckers i know Everyone in the world knows that game and thought they were really, at least one of the times, tried, you know? And no, there was it was never happening. I remember back in the day, <laughs> oh, having so like the, the handout they gave you that was the board, yep. and you put the oh, pieces yeah. down on you. Know. So it's hard enough digesting their food, that you, <laughs> then you have to digest their bullshit too? Uh-huh. But if you watch, it's not, it's not on them. It wasn't. It, it wasn't really wasn't McDonald's. There. Oh, really? Yeah. Right. It was Parker Brothers. No. Um, but you got to watch. It's pretty great. It's on HBO. Um, then Tina also just made us watch this uh, show called You. Um, we watched the first season of it. Oh, I owe you. When did yeah. I get a, When did I get a show? Uh, Andy, <laughs> you're pretty good on this show. Uh, well, oh. it's. The other you. I've been kind of skip. I mean, I skimmed over it. I've seen it on there, but I I thought it was going to be too. Um, it's about uh, like kind of a overprotective boyfriend who's kind of controlling, 
and the links that he goes to, and I'm like, I don't fucking want to watch that at all. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds right? completely And then horrible. she, you know, tied me down and then made me watch it, and then it turned out to be pretty good. Because, like, it's uh, not, there. every single episode I'm like, wait, is he a good guy? Is he actually a good guy? Or is he a bad guy? And then the girl, I'm like, wait. Sort of like Dexter, right? Yeah. And so with the and then the girl that he's stalking, not stalking, is like, wait, is she a terrible person or is she the good person? I don't know. So and and there's a constant uh, inner dialogue uh, between both of them about what they're really thinking in situations, and that's really uh, done well and interesting and smart. And I kind of really, I kind of dug it. It was way more than what I thought it was going to be. Which didn't make me very excited on the surface, but it turned out to be really good. And there's a second season we haven't dove into it yet. Um, I finally got caught up. Uh, I was halfway through the series, but I finished off Silicon Valley. Holy shit, I love that show so much. <laughs> Again, me too. I need to catch up on that. I know it's not horror, but guys, it's just the funniest. I love it. I love it. And I like. I wonder though. Like I, I know just enough computer stuff to like pretty much understand what they're saying, for the most part. Not all everything, but I wonder if like can a non could Mike enjoy the show? What? <laughs> I think I got to give you credit. More. I mean, right? I got to give you credit for every day finding newer ways to make fun of my supposed lack of no- technology knowledge. I know, but... Which is all... It's no, for all the comedy. The comedy bo- Like, the Monopoly game from McDonald's is more true than my lack of technology knowledge <laughs> that Jason implies. But the comedy yeah. is so good. My, my brother is a programmer, and uh, he... He, he tried watching it and he hated it because it was like oh. he's like this is like being at work. All the, oh. I work with these assholes. Oh, okay, I was afraid he was going to be like it's so inaccurate. Oh, like, no. no, it's the opposite. And I think my brother is the Thomas Middleditch character because he's oh. like yep. uh, awkward weirdo. So um, he probably would watch way. it and yep. be like, "This isn't funny at all." <laughs> oh. It's about my life. I'm suing. Yeah. Oh, that that show is a very big roller coaster, though, because oh, if there's a way for them to fuck things up, they constantly do it, and it's so funny. Yeah. And then the show that uh, I'm in love with the most right now that's currently um, airing episodes that I catch on Hulu, but it's a FX limited series. I'm in love with the show. It's called Devs. Yeah, I've heard about it. D E V S. What's that? With, um, the dude from it's Parks and Rec. What's his Nick name? Nick Offerman. Yeah, is the with lead. long hair, and it's long. the guy. It's the director that did. Uh, you Al- I'm, I'm just. Nope, that's fine. Yeah, it's directed, written, and directed by Alex Garland, who did Ex Machina and Annihilation. Yes. And yeah. well, I know. Yes, Andy and Mike started to glaze over right there, but. But that's why I love it. Oh, man, it's so fucking stylized, and it's so smart, and it's so slow, and it's so... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but it's, but it's, it's a very similar thing. It's like in a different... 
it's our reality, but it's not because it's these computer programmers that are uh, hired by this Nick Offerman character to work on this project that's incredibly top secret, and he's like a bazillionaire, and the tech is out of this world fucking super smart, and... It's a story of Elon, Elon Musk. Right, no. Gosh, I hope not. But, uh... It's uh so it's I think it's it's like both of those movies though in in the Ex Machina Annihilation vibe of just like this heightened reality, very futuristic, but based in a reality that's similar, super smart, super stylized, futuristic and dark with just uh it's the the score alone is just as badass as those two movies. It's, I assume it's the same guy. It's the score is incredible, which makes it creepy. And yeah, there's definitely blood and guts, and I love it. So it's yeah, it's airing on Hulu right now. I think it's every Thursday, and they're up to episode five. I don't know how long of a series it is, but it's my new favorite thing. Devs. That's all I got. That's what I watched. Are they hour-long episodes? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's tough. Oh, come on. It's worth it. Okay. I trust you. I'm telling... I mean, you, well, you might have to watch a few in a row just to understand what the hell's going on, but... I love the the movies that he's done, uh, so I trust in him to do a series I like, so... Yeah. It's just same alley, down the same alley. It's... Yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, Andy, what did you watch? Well, um, movie-wise, um, mainly because it's it grows on me every time I watch it, and the fact that it completely drove my wife insane because of like <laughs> the music. It, I, w- I rewatched Halloween three because it grows on me every single time I watch it. So yeah, the you know the London Bridge is falling down, you know theme that they have. Um, I rewatched the the making of Rob Zombie's Halloween, like that four hour cut, you know, because it just basically it takes you from the beginning of the movie making process to like all the way at the very end. Yeah, I think it's and, it's, it's done in real time, isn't it? Because it took him about four hours to film that. Yeah, yeah, and I just I just I really I really really like it. I've seen it more than once, but I I like to go back and watch it again because there's just a there's so much information and there's so much going on in that, you know, and it's a lot to retain. So I just, I really just go like going back and just, and just learning what, what all is going on, you know, just, there's so much, there's so much ground covered in that. And I, yeah. really, I love the rejects one too. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, we'll never, it's a bummer that he filmed one for uh, the Halloween two. And I think he filmed one for Lords of Salem and Lords of Salem. Blu-ray has nothing, not even a commentary from yeah. him. Uh, and he basically said it's a budget thing. And with, with Rob, one thing I admire, but sort of hate is that he never goes back. So like he, once he's done with the project, he never really revisits it. So there, it's not like down the road he's ever going to do a commentary or go back and do a special edition. And it's not like a studio's clamoring to release a new cut of or a new version of Lords of Salem. I understand, you know, it's 
doesn't have the demand, so there's no real reason to. But yeah, you never know. Justin Beam out there, he might push for it. But there uh, you go. You know, I would love to. I, I think you know, I would love to see even the movies I hate. Like my favorite part of uh, Three from Hell was probably the the stuff me and yeah. Jason all seen in theaters, like seeing the yeah. you know stuff before the movie and after the movie and. I, I could I love the guy watching him do his process. He is a fan. I love Rob Zombie as a person. Yeah. Even if I don't like a movie, I can appreciate where he's coming from and how he goes about it. You know. And just just seeing what, like like what the art department does to like age you know right t-shirts so and, cool. and and guns and just God man it's just so it's so so fascinating and that's why I like to go back and just like okay that's how they did that and this is um. I also have been watching uh, a lot of TV. I watch uh, Westworld when it's on because the, the new episodes are, uh, have come out, and I'm a big fan of that show. I, I love what they're doing. I love, you know, like the new characters, and, you know, because some of the robots are still back on Delos where, you know, Westworld is, is played out. And it's not just it's not just the Wild West, you know. There's there's War World, there's Roman World. I mean, there's all sorts of, of places where they can interact and stuff like that. Um, and and Aaron Paul is in this season, which is pretty cool. And Tommy West World, bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, Tommy Flanagan, uh, who is in. Uh, uh, Sons of Anarchy. He's he's in it. That, but we're only about two episodes in. So uh, check that out. Uh, I've never seen a single episode. Uh, should I watch it, or why do I even know what of, it's about? Of Westworld. It's, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's 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 really cool. I mean, uh, sometimes you have to go back and get a bit of a, of a refresher because there's so much there's there's so there's so much going on. Yeah. And it it needs you need a little bit of like a, a more of an explanation. Sometimes I had to go on to like YouTube and have it a little bit of it explained to me. Yeah, Especially, I'm not I'm not doing that. Oh. <laughs> at the end, at, well, it's at, at the end. It's at the end of the second season because it's just like there's a lot there's a lot going it's on. A lot of storylines. It's dense, but yeah, it's really but, interesting. But it, Yes, it is. It, it it really is. I mean, I mean, I think you'd be doing yourself. Uh, you'd be denying yourself something pretty cool. But it's, I mean, at least give the first season a try. That's what I would say. Okay. Um, I mean, you need to watch. Uh, God damn it! What's the comic book one on HBO? That one you got to watch first. Watchmen. Watchmen. Oh, the Watchmen. Watchmen's really good too, but, but I haven't been watching that lately because I finished it. Like, well, the, the fucking problem is HBO. They have seven series, you know, series going on at once. They're all fucking great. <laughs> Everybody loves. Every, they, they've never had like. I think what True Detective season two is the only show that anyone's ever had anything critically bad to say about on HBO, and it was still okay. Right, it's still fucking <laughs> yeah. better than everything else. Uh-huh. Just by HBO standards, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, you right. know, fantastic. So people hated it, but. God, it's just so much to catch up on. It's just overwhelming, so I don't even touch it, you know? Hey, we got the time. Uh, yeah, especially now. Um, I've also been on Amazon Prime and absolutely am loving oh, shit. Hunters with yeah. Al Pacino. Have you guys heard of this show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, love love <laughs> this freaking show right now. Uh, it's just like the uh, the revenge scenes when they when they catch when they catch these ex Nazis like living in the U.S. and the and one of the really cool things that I liked is they're basing it on shit that really happened. They brought Nazi scientists over here, you know, that did deplorable things so the U.S. could get ahead, like, within, like, you know, in terms of, you know, science and medicine and stuff like that. And they basically let these assholes get away with these war crimes because, you know, the, the U.S. Wanted, wanted to be number one. I mean, these goose-stepping pieces of shit that did these horrible things to these Jewish people, you know, they kind of in turn help us win the cold war so to speak but yeah and now these people who are rec- these jewish people who are recognizing who these evil people are they're going around and they're they're getting revenge like something fierce dude and yeah you you really want to you, you you're almost cheering them on you're I, at least i am i'm cheering them on um but it also it also you know tells the story of each of these people and what they went through, you know, when going through Auschwitz and, and, and stuff like that. And it's just, it's so, it's so incredibly heartbreaking to watch because you know, deep down inside what they're telling, it may be fictionalized, but you can see this stuff really, really happening because this atrocities like this happened on a daily basis back then. And it's just awful. I mean, Danielle, Danielle's watched it with me, and I've seen her just bawling her eyes out. It's it's you know it's it's a really really effective show, and it and it's a time oriented piece. It takes place in 1977 in in New York, and that's that's a really another really cool aspect about it because like all the cars are time period, all the all the clothing and stuff like that. I just I love little little things like that. Um, and plus I watched, uh, you know, I followed the trend and I watched Tiger King on Netflix. There you go. That's now my, now you're on my level. Ted's been waiting. Oh my gosh. Uh, I, I found it almost literally impossible to find a likable person in this series. There's not one. There's not, I've watched it too. I've never found it. Bro, no. Bro, no legs is likable. Oh, uh, the 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 mm. Ranky guy, the guy with like the clown legs. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think his name's Ranky. His last name's Ranky. Um, and plus one of the girls that escaped that weird fucking culty tiger. Oh, from the girl that's in Iowa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. from um, Ames. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I'd have to say it might the the one character in the whole show that I um. That I kind of latched onto was the the girl who got her arm bit off by the by one of the tigers. I like the campaign manager guy too. <laughs> and the, the one guy that I that I felt for was the long haired guy. Like oh yeah he, yeah. Uh, Cal Cal Cali. Yeah. Cali and. It's just it broke my heart when he had you know after he testified they're interviewing him again and you see this bottle of vodka you know on the table right and you can tell just by looking at him he got well into that thing before they started interviewing him yeah. because he's like super depressed and he just goes yeah I remember because he was really close to this tiger and it's one of the tigers that you know Joe that dickhead 
put down and he just goes, yeah, I remember him taking cuddles behind there and just, you know, and he just had to sit there and just reminisce about that. You know, it's just like, and you can tell that it was just, it was just pain in this poor guy. Yeah. He got attached to it and he's like, one day he wasn't there and I couldn't ask, you know, no questions, no explanation. Yeah. And you're just like, God, man, it's just like, you're like, it's, yeah, it's just, it's an awful, awful thing to see to see what that guy went through and i will never look at funerals the same way again <laughs> that it's just the absolute craziest goddamn thing i've ever seen in my life <laughs> let alone him doing it with a clerical collar on oh, oh, oh i know right but that's just goes to show even though this poor kid's dead it's and it's his wake or whatever it's still it's all, all about, about joe it's all about and him and he's golden nuggets yeah and uh, I, I, I thank God I pretty much had my, my food down, but the words privately owned will forever haunt my fucking dreams. <laughs> that tattoo was the oh, most yeah, nauseating yeah. goddamn thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh. May God have mercy on my my. It's forever burned in my retinas. That's just like privately owned by Joe Exotic. Uh. You got it fixed. You got it covered oh. up. Oh God, he, I I'd have cut it off. I, that that documentary is just insane. And, and they, I, they say that there's going to be a there, there there's a possibility for a follow up. You know what I like most about it is that it it's it's taking place in real time. They start if you go back and watch the first episode. They talk about how they started this documentary, just interviewing. Pe- they wanted to know what kind of people, you know. They wanted to do a doc about what kind of people they are that own that privately own these exotic animals, and and it just turned into this total like shit show with like yeah, they were with they Joe were there. exotic. They were there for yeah. all of it. Yeah. Well, and yeah, that and the dude that uh, with the cowboy hat or the weird black hat that's recording everything for the reality show like yeah. he struck fucking gold even though they i was sort of confused because they, oh, yeah. they claim they got you know that whole warehouse burnt down and all this footage but I, it's clear that we see some of that footage we so see a I don't ton know. of yeah. the footage that was specifically shot for the reality show where right. did it come from yeah um one thing about that uh rick kirkham is is the guy with the cowboy hat um he actually uh, has his own documentary of his life, which is pretty damn crazy too. It's called TV Junkie, and he was he was like a on location reporter for a news station, and it basically he's he's been addicted. He was addicted to crack cocaine for like ten years doing this job, and it's basically his journey from you know being like severely addicted to like getting into rehab and then finally getting his shit straight and then like you know losing his son and losing his wife and stuff so i mean his life even before this before he started recording joe exotic and all this stuff was pretty damn crazy so i mean that that might be like a a nice little companion piece to like this whole uh tiger king because rick kirkham's life was pretty damn crazy too but oh i just can't even imagine i i feel for him because as a filmmaker myself i can't even imagine 
you know, going through the fucking trenches of the world of yeah. Joe Exotic and to have all this footage and realize you're sitting on a gold mine and it's just all freaking gone. Yeah. He said he about had a, didn't he say he about had a nervous breakdown yeah, or something? Mm-hmm. Like he moved back to, I think he said he was from Texas. Yeah, Dallas, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like he's from Texas. Yeah. But yeah, wow! What a I anybody that I you know know that has Netflix, I was just like, man, just just take the journey, just just go with it, because you know, uh, D- Danielle didn't watch it because I was I was at home all day Friday, and I'm pretty sure she when she was in the other room because I had headphones on because I was watching the last the last couple of episodes with my headphones on because she has the TV out there. And she just probably heard me just like every five minutes, just go, wow, <laughs> just yep. fucking, fucking wow. Yeah. It, it was just, it was one just crazy ass thing after another. And it's just, uh, it's like, uh, I, the only way I can, ex- uh, describe Joe exotic is like if it would be like if Steve Irwin, Liberace, and Alan Jackson were like to like and run really, yeah, 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 and like and like run really hard, like towards the center of a circle, and then just like combine, like you know, <laughs> like society style, and then that's what you would get. You get like uh, you would get you would get this. Yeah, this this hybrid called you know Joe Joe Exotic. I mean, this documentary series it's it, it's really good, and people need to check it out. And it's blowing up like people, you know, it, it's all over Facebook. So people are watching it and and just are just as dumbfounded as the rest of us. The only thing I don't want to happen is for people to go down the rabbit hole and continually research these these people because they do not none of these people do not need any more recognition than what they've already got right you know they they all just need to just like fade away like all because because first of all that's what they're living for they're living for the notoriety you know all these people are just manipulating uh everybody else through these poor defenseless baby tigers Yeah. yeah that bitch carol baskin (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Jason, you haven't watched yet, right? No, dude, you need you need to watch it. I just uh, no, I'm not into the true crimey stuff. And then it was just like it's more too j- popular, too fast, and I don't. I, I get trust I me, I don't get. I'm not a bandwagon necessarily. That. So and I get that, but am I. It's not. It, it honestly doesn't even really get true crimey until like the sixth or seventh episode. It's it gets get it gets like more or less conspiracy. It's just but yeah. It's just not a sorry. Go ahead. It's just following around what what happens when a redneck has too much money. <laughs> I have those nightmares too often. <laughs> it's it's basically when people have it's. I think one of them said it perfectly. It's basically some. St- it's like uh, Hatfield and McCoy type things, you know. It's basically that kind of vibe. It's just like, 
you've got two very, um, you know, well, two or three, you know, different sides that are, you know, very pig-headed and just refuse to back down, even even when it's against their, you know, best interests. Yeah, uh, oh man, he, he, him and his like live show, his like uh, streaming show, he's so stupid. Like he's so stupid. Like <laughs> always just talking about what he's gonna do to Carol Bassett, and like taking on his TV show, taking a gun and shooting a mannequin with her face on it. Yeah, right there and right. saying that's what I'm gonna do to you. I'm like, oh my god. I'll tell you what though, I think the most shocking thing of this whole docu series was the fact that he still got twelve percent of the votes. Oh, I've I've been telling people like like uh, Cardi B is trying to push Trump to pardon him, and uh, <laughs> if if he fucking ran third party, he would win. If we elect Donald Trump as president, Joe Exotic ran right now, he would win. He would be our president. Uh, yeah, that's 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 it's a good thing we're talking about this on a horror movie podcast because that's the scariest that's thing I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I, yeah, it, it, I, well, I mean, I don't think he could do any worse. <laughs> Famous last words. <laughs> well, I, I think I think Joe Exotic could probably get better ratings than Little Donnie ever could, since that's the way he likes to talk about. But yeah, we won't we won't we won't go into that territory. I'll be quiet. <laughs> I think the most unbelievable part is all the uh, cute dudes he's pulling in. I mean, I know he's got fame and tigers and meth, but like, you know, come on, man! Like they're they're way out of his league. Yeah, that's, that's why drugs are bad, kids. Yeah, literal kids. I mean, he's fucking yeah pulling in. Yeah, you know, the last last one. I mean, yeah, what the hell? His current the, husband, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you notice that he was driving around in like a, you know, a Camaro SS, like right? A six speed, you know. So what's that tell you? Yep. Oh yeah. Where were we? Are we still on you, Andy? <laughs> yeah, Andy. What else that's, did you watch? That 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 that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all I had. Okay, had then, uh, Mike. What did you watch? <laughs> Well, I watched the Tiger King as well, but I think I've said my piece. Um, uh, I watched. Uh, I kind of went back to some some stuff. I haven't had a chance to watch anything too new, but I did watch um, uh, Bruce Lee Rises from the Grave. That's a first time view for me, and I'm mentioning it now because I was watching it uh, thinking it might be a good and Saints pick, but it's not horror related. So, um, but it's definitely definitely some very entertaining. Uh, 70s kung fu action you know exploitation it's great and the dub job you watch the youtube version the dub job is amazing um whoever they got to voice the lead guy's name i think is the same guy who does the howard Corse- howard corsell impression in better off dead with the two asian guys and one of them speaks oh. like howard corsell <laughs> yeah <clears throat> sounds exactly the same um, and then I also watched Yoga Hosers again, trying to give it another chance. Still don't get it. Uh, there's things I like. There's a, there's a lot of things I like about the movie, but there's a lot of things that just are fingernails on a chalkboard to me. Why do you think it didn't work? 
I think I don't know. I you think like it? if you're gonna do, I, I've said this from the beginning. If you're gonna do comedy, there's got to be some like roots in reality for the comedy to be funny. Like you can't have. And this is not. And this is an example of yoga hosers. But but for me, a, a, a film where everybody is funny makes the comedy not as funny. You got to have like a straight man there to bounce jokes off of. You know, and in yoga hosers, it's like there's too much going on out of, you know, for, for a guy that we grew up loving his writing, I think yoga hosers is very lazily written. You know, I mean, there's things like they fight all the Bratsies in the convenience store, right? And then they get arrested, um, get arrested for murdering the two, the two guys, but if they there's evidence of like miniature bratsy men all over the inside of this convenience store so their story would stand up you know like how come that never gets brought up you know it's it's, it's like things like that and they, it's and then it's little little details like the song they sing at the beginning of the movie and the song they sing at the end of the movie obviously has guitar guitars in it Nobody's playing. They have a drummer, but nobody's playing a guitar. I'm sorry. That, that just right out of the gate, that drives me nuts. And like, who covers? Who covers Anthrax's "I'm the Man"? That's not a song that you cover. Um, so bad, I should be detention. And there's moments like, I, I I love Ralph Garman. He's the guy who plays the Nazi scientist that you see at the end of the movie. I think he's really funny. He's a really talented, um, like impressionist. But it's obvious to me because I know who Ralph Garman is that his scenes were written around the fact that he can do um, impressions. Because he just go and like even and then even Kevin Smith like writes a flashback backstory. That explains that he's been watching television for the past year because he knew like idiots like me that'd be like, how can he do impressions of Al Pacino if he's been frozen for sixty-seven years? You know, I don't know. The whole thing is just like very underwritten, in my opinion. But uh, but there's still some elements that I I really like and I think are funny. Um, the biggest one being Johnny Depp uh, as the as the French. The detective. same dude from Tusk, yeah. yeah, and 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 I and I will keep watching shitty Kevin Smith movies if he keeps putting that character in it. Because first of all, I'm just in awe of Johnny Depp doing that in the first place. But I just think the character's really funny, kind of like a French um, Columbo in a way. But I don't know. They just smoked a little too much weed on this one when they wrote this one. I know. Really? Right. Yes. I think so. I, I saw this in the theater, dude. Oh, wow. We played it at our theater. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And I don't remember anything but the Bratzies and uh, <laughs> and Johnny Depp and his kids' band, like the shitty band. But I don't really remember much else about it. I remember like pieces, but I don't remember the story, and I don't really care. I mean, it could have gone... I didn't hate it. It could have gone... I don't know. This is really mean of me to say, but I'm just not a fan of his daughter acting. 
I, I there's something about her on screen that I just I'm I'm just not I don't know it doesn't do it for me. I liked her a lot in uh, the newest one in the Jane Silent Bob reboot. Reboot. Yeah, I liked her a lot. See, no, I didn't like her in that either. I think that's when I finally decided. I think it's I think it's her, but I don't know, and I don't know why. I'm you sorry out there, that much. Harley Quinn. Smith, but uh, yeah, not not a fan of your acting. So yeah, but anyway, yeah, yoga hosers. <laughs> um, and that's really that's all I watched. But Tad, what about you? What'd you watch? Well, thanks for asking. Um, actually, for the amount of time I've spent at home, I haven't watched a lot I can share on here. I've been watching a lot of uh, Snake Alley submissions. Some really good stuff there. Um, but I've watched... I'll try to run through these so that I don't linger too much. Um, watched a new sort of mockumentary called Mr. America. It's not quite a... It's filmed like a documentary, but um, no one else that is involved... It's sort of like Borat, where no one else involved knows that it's not real. And it stars Tim Heidecker, and he's running for um, oh, yeah, running for office in in California, and it's pretty damn funny. He just fucks with people and plays t- a very Tim Heidecker asshole, as expected. <laughs> uh, it's on Hulu. It was in theaters briefly, I think, probably f- three or four months ago. Um, it's very acquired taste. If you like Tim Heidecker, Tim and Eric, um, all that weird shit, like I do. Uh, you'll probably enjoy it, and if you're not part of the Tim Decker, Tim Heidecker world, you will probably hate it. Um, it's ve- it, it even sort of, you sort of have to have prior knowledge of his story and different uh, his different series and stuff to understand even what he's talking about. So it's a really weird niche film for a very small audience, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, what was it called been, again? Uh, Mr. America. Mr. America, okay. Yeah, I'll send you guys a trailer. It's pretty. It's it's. You can watch a trailer and get the feel for it, but it's pretty funny. Cool. Um, huh. I've been really binging at work. I've been doing um, less work at my desk and more <laughs> in the uh, more work in the bindery part of like in the press part of my my job. So I've been binging podcasts because I don't have to answer the phone all the time. Yeah. So I've been uh, binging this new podcast. Well, not new to me, I guess, called Unwatched or the Rewatchables. Not Unwatchables. That'd be a good one, but um. Rewatchable, so that sort of made me go back through, and I want to revisit some movies that I haven't seen in a while that I absolutely love. So, um, over the weekend, I watched The Breakfast Club, which is fucking nice. great. I love oh, that. Yeah. I've seen it a million times, but it's been probably a couple of years, and it's just I like think, comfort food. I picked up the uh, the Criterion, Criterion collections. Food. Yep. And uh, I, I won't I won't st- stay too long. I'll let Tad talk here, but. Uh, you know when like the uh, the janitor you know dresses them down and says I go through your lockers and I you know you know I know all your little secrets and everything. Yeah. He goes on like a five minute diatribe, man. I mean, he rips him a new asshole, dude. Like in like a, this deleted scene, it is awesome. I mean, he says like you know uh, basically you know Bender, you're gonna die of a heroin overdose in some trailer in South Texas. 
um, Molly Ringwald's character, you're going to be like, you're going to have three faceless and two boob jobs by the time you're 45 and your husband's still going to be cheating on you. And I mean, he just, I mean, he rips them apart, dude. It's, it's great. I wish they would have left it in the movie. <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> anyway, yeah. man, check no, out the I, criterion. I, yeah. I, I love this podcast cause they, they have different, um, different sex. They, they sort of basically, introduce a movie they don't go through like the plot of it at all they sort of just give out awards and they have little segments about the one specific movie and they have a, seg- a segment called um half-assed internet research and they talk about like <laughs> uh stuff they find on like imbd trivia and online and stuff and i, I absolutely <laughs> love it because they they share little tidbits like that they watch the special features and talk about that stuff too and how uh, different, and they have one called uh, like recasting, and they they talk about um, who auditioned for roles, and who you know actually got offered parts or dropped out of movies, and they talk about who they think would be good in the uh, if, or if they redid it now, who would be good or who would have been good back then. Um, but I, it's it's sort of cool to like listen to that podcast and hear the stuff, and then go back and rewatch it with that knowledge. It's it's pretty cool you know it makes me uh, appreciate things a little more because the other one i watched uh right before that was a social network which is probably my favorite movie of the last oh hell yeah 15 20 years i fuck i mean the absolute to me the absolute like all the right ingredients into the perfect uh hell yeah movie everything about it the score is perfect the direction the cinematography the acting the writing oh my god the the screenplay, everything about it to me, that is Music. the perfect star oh, of a movie. And I, uh, every time I watch it, it gets better. So I almost, I almost clicked on it, and then I went to click on it, and then I saw that you were watching it. And I'm like, wow, fuck, he's already watching it. Yeah. I wanna, oh, so good, so good. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely adore that movie. And so, um, because I watched that, I was in like a Jesse Eisenberg mood, and I checked out his new movie called The Varium. And I don't know if you guys have seen anything about this. It just got put on VOD this week, I think. And uh, that one is a wild ride. I'm still not sure what to think about it, but I'm still thinking <laughs> about it, which is great. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, One of my favorite reviewers on Twitter sort of said, you know, he watched it and watching it right, releasing it and watching it right now while we're all, all sort of... Um, Going through some shit is was a bad timing because it's a, a very dark and not happy at all movie. And I was like, oh, I like those kinds of movies. I'll watch it. And I was like, God, why did I? I knew that going in, and I just didn't expect it. <laughs> but the, the basic story is like, it's I'm guessing sort of set in the future. But um, Jesse Eisenberg plays the husband, like a young husband, and I'm probably saying her name wrong. I'm Mogan Poots. Do you know who I'm talking about? Imogene? Imogene, yeah. Uh-huh. In uh, Green Room. Yes. Yeah. She plays the wife, and she's fantastic in this. And basically, they're a young couple, and they're looking at buying their first house, so they go to this real estate office, and this really creepy uh, monotone guy takes them to look at this house in this new development where every house, every yard, every everything looks exactly the same, and it gets very twilight zone um black mirror very quick um, oh boy i won't like spo- this isn't spoiling anything because it's sort of the the premise but basically they they get to this house and they're showed you know they're looking around the house 
suddenly the real estate guy is gone. So they go looking for him. They go out. They start their car, and they cannot find their way out of this um, new new development. And no matter which way they drive, no matter how many turns they make, they keep ending back up at uh, house number nine, which is the one they looked at. And uh, it's definitely an uh, uh, it's a little on the nose. I, th- I think. After read, I, I sort of read a little bit too much about it going in, and so I expected it to be a total mindfuck. But once I watched it, I overthought it, and then had to look it up again. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I got it. I just thought I was too dumb. Like I thought I was missing something. But uh, it's it's very dark, very bleak, um, and there's a it has a lot to say with very little. But it's like two great performances. Really, it, it comes down to those two. And one other character. There's no one else really on the screen. It takes place in one house, and uh, really cool, unique indie movie. What's this called again? Vivarium. V i v a r i u m. Yeah. Um, and then yesterday, because Nikki was watching it, I rewatched. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Which oh, is a, love it. Yeah, I, I. She's just like watching. And I couldn't. I was walking through the room. I couldn't not stop right. and sit. Right. Right. So. Yeah, and oh, and I've been—I I don't remember if I mentioned this last time we recorded, but I've been watching, also watching a new show on FX that's also on Hulu called Dave. And I think did I bring that up last time? I think. Somewhere. Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, yeah, but I'm caught up on that, and I really suggest that too. So that's all, that's what I watched. Nice. Yeah. But eventually, we're just going to need to do a whole show of just what we watched if things <laughs> keep going the way they're going. Um. So let's get into the films for tonight's topic of bar-related horror films. Horror films that take place in bars and whatnot. Or as Andy called it, Last last Call. Last, last call. call. That's right. So, Jason, start us off. What's the first movie we're going to talk about? Well, it's probably the first movie we all would think of, too. Like, if you're like, what movie horror takes place in a bar i don't know this is the first one i went to i assume a lot of people do uh because once you get to the bar you're like oh fuck but this uh is from it's an awesome movie from 1996 from dusk till dawn Woo! everybody be cool you be cool somewhere in the middle of nowhere low profile you understand the meaning of the words Profile. Sure. Two of America's most dangerous criminals have taken hostages. What is this? It's called a punch. I'm going to ask you one question, and all I want is a yes or no answer. Do you want to live through this? Yes. Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. One night is all that stands between them and freedom. This is my kind of place. But it's going to be one hell of a night. We might be in trouble. We have a bunch of fucking vampires out there trying to get in here and suck our fucking blood. Now, their only chance is to fight back. Oh, yeah! Tell 
Michael, George Clooney, Quentin Tarantino, Juliette Lewis. Welcome to slavery. No thanks. I already had a wife. From dusk till dawn. Yeah, on the run from a bank robbery that left several police officers dead, Seth Gecko, played by George Clooney, and his paranoid loose cannon brother, Richard, played by Quentin Tarantino, hightail it to the Mexican border, kidnapping preacher Jacob Fuller, played by Harvey Keitel, and his kids. The criminals sneak across the border in, a family's, in the family's RV and hole up in a topless bar. Unfortunately, the bar also happens to be home base for a gang of vampires and the brothers and their hostages have to fight their way out this movie's pretty awesome yeah first watch for me no i'm just don't watch oh my god (laughs) i'm gonna flip this microphone off the table i had to say it right away that it was i was basically so you didn't like punch me through the screen (laughs) i actually ordered this on an all-day ticket in 1990, it was probably was 96, uh, all day ticket on direct TV, like the first year we had it. And I was just, I think I watched it like two times back to back. I actually, I loved it that much when I was in high school. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just, it's got great character actors in it. I mean, cause I mean, look at, you know. Just the liquor store salesman, John Hawks. Oh, look what he's got on to do. Oh yeah, you know, um, you know, and it's got some, it's got some horror, uh, you know, mainstays through the years. You've got cameos from John Saxon, who was the police chief. Um, and of course, uh, Tom Savini is Sex Machine, and Greg Nicotero has a small bit in this as well. Yeah, I'll let. Sorry, I'll let you talk. No, it's you know it's directed by Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, you'd love him. Nope, uh, not well. I used to, and then it's you written by Quentin, who I'll, I also don't like. <laughs> I'll tell you this: what I like Robert Rodriguez. I, I used to. I've always so been I. a fan. I feel like you would appreciate him more if he did more movies that he didn't write. I agree. He should not write, he should just direct. Like Rob Zombie. Yeah. Yes, yeah. also true. Yeah. Not all directors can be writers, apparently. So Why um, why don't you like him, Jason? I am surprised by this. Um, it all went downhill Spy Kids. with the Spy Kids era. And 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 it, I guess it's not it's not spiteful or angry or like what? You're raising your hand. Oh, I'll wait till that. you finish. I'm, this oh. is me trying to keep from interrupting you. Oh, uh, yeah. It was just uh, he was on a, on quite the roll with Desperado and and this and and Sin City. And, and Sin City. He was the but ki- Sin City again, not written by him. Right. He's he was. Oh, he, my bad. Yeah. He was our our. Jesus of the indie cinema. He was our Christ-like figure. Uh, his Bible was our Bible, his book. It was, I don't know if it's... I think I've got it. I just haven't read it yet. Like, Oh, uh, my gosh. I've, I've got it, and I've read it. I love it. And you know, and yeah. and so maybe we put too much faith in him. No, no I'm not even saying that. He just... Uh, 
it just seemed to stray with the Spy Kids stuff, and he and, and I'm not saying it in a, uh, I don't mean it in a bad way. It's okay for someone to go and make movies for your kids and do your own thing, and it's just he, I didn't care about those movies at all, and well, see that's with me like I I think it's okay with me because those were not at all made or marketed towards me so they're not even on my radar so that's kind of like apples to oranges right well yeah if he if like it's less offensive to me that he would go make a kids movie that i have no plans on watching and then comes back and makes grindhouse i'm okay with that rather than someone going out like kevin smith and making fucking something that's in between you know what i mean like (laughs) like sure just about that and it's like you know i I find it way less offensive than fucking yoga hosers (laughs) yeah very true i think because i know jason and i have had this conversation before and i know um half of it is him razzing me yes Um, because a lot of that is because i am a robert rodriguez fan but i can admit that all of his films are great um and but and i'm i'm also the guy that will tell you too like i think he's a much better director and producer especially being a producer than he is a uh, a writer and that's the thing that i admire him about more than anything else is like his ability to he edits too yeah and and as an editor yeah, yeah. absolutely his ability to to make a film with nothing like even sin city you know there's uh, there's scenes in sin city where it's like no two actors are a- acting against each other in the same day, you know, same day. And where everybody makes fun of the Star Wars prequels of being stiff acting against a green screen, I'm like, well, that's what Sin City is. It's it's all acting against a green screen, and you're not even acting against uh, other actors in, in half of the scenes. And it works so much better in Sin City than it does the Star Wars prequels. So I think he's just really got a knack. He's got a knack for effects, especially in the in the digital world um, of effects. Uh, he's got a great ability to stretch the dollar. You know, Desperado is the best example of that. A feature film for $7,000? Who does that? And his book is my Bible for one thing only. And his line in in the beginning of the book that says, if you, if you want to be a filmmaker, well, guess what? You're a filmmaker. If you know, so and that is that is like the basis of what I've structured my home filmmaking career on was that quote from that book. But but I know like Jason and I has had this conversation in the past of like part of the problem is especially being a writer is he gets one idea and he makes thirty films based off of that one idea. <laughs> right. Like the you got two machete movies and a machete trailer. All based off of a character Danny Trejo played in um, Desperado. In Desperado, uh, you've got which Desperado is a sequel to his first film El Mariachi, and then you've got like uh, his segment in Four Rooms where it was um, Antonio Banderas and and his wh- whoever was playing his, his wife, wife and kid and these two bratty kids and that segment. That idea in that segment is what spawned the Spy Kids movies. The like misbehaviors. That, 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 yeah, that dynamic of the, of the mysterious man, the mysterious woman, the two bratty kids was literally where Spy Kids came from. And then there was, what, three, four movies made of that. So, 
Yeah, he kind of gets one idea and just kind of runs it into the ground. Um, but you know, some of his best stuff is like, again, I mean, I, I mean, El Mariachi, Desperado. I, and I'll even admit, I wasn't a big fan of uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, the third in the uh, the Mariachi series. It was fine. It was okay. So so. Yeah. Um, but stuff like uh, the Faculty. Again, not written by him, but I love the faculty. I missed it when it came out. Yeah, I love the faculty. But you've seen it because we watched it for the show, and that was the first time I saw it. Yeah, yeah. And did you like it? I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, and like Sin City, I think is is one of the best comic book adaptations ever made. Because Planet Terror, dude. Planet Terror is is a lot of fun, and that's the thing is like I think he wrote that one, but it's just it's just an exploitation. Splatfest, so it's not like you need a really good script for to have that kind of fun, you know. But uh, he just did what Alita Battle Angel or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's that? yep. yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm yeah, I like with, with James good? fucking Cameron, man. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Machete's back. And he and he uh, did a movie with John Malkovich that will be released in like a thousand years or something. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear about that one? Uh, uh-uh, no. Is it like in a time capsule? And yes. it can be like, okay. Yeah, it was like some liquor brand, like vodka brand or something, paid for it. And they made a movie and they put it in a time capsule. It's like a basically publicity stunt. And it can be watched in like a hundred or a thousand years or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh Long God. after we're dead, it will be seen. But uh, <sighs> it'll probably be on some kind of format that they can't use and it will never be. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Never be seen, but I don't. I have a feeling we're not missing much. It'll so. probably explode when it hits the sun, anyway. You know, it's probably on like thirty-five millimeter. You know. Yeah, jokes on them. We're not making it through twenty twenty. So. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh. Um. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know. So yeah, I like Robert Rodriguez, and I don't mind him going into different genres. And I have seen the Spy Kids movies. Are, are they great movies? Not really. But you know, if I have to sit down and watch a movie with my kids. And I'd probably rather watch that and some of the other stuff they would pick. <laughs> sure, so, sure. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, half of it's about Raz and you, <laughs> but but those the movie we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, from dusk till dawn. I think it's one of the best from both worlds of Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, sort of like when I was talking about um, Social Network. This is that on a smaller level. I'd say not quite perfect, but a good like mixture of Tarantino screenplay with Rodriguez directing and there's some performances in here that are very questionable but some some really fun <laughs> stuff um I have a lot of good memories of this one I, I mean I yeah. can think of two times I watched this one like I can think of specific times I watched this in the the 90s and 2000s like where I was what I was doing this one holds a special place in my heart absolutely well, um the the soundtrack is freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, and plus, I mean, I, I maybe I'm just an easy sell, but when you've got like two badasses and they're in this freaking awesome, like what is it, like a '69 like uh, Cougar XR7, and it's just flying down the road. I mean, it's just like two badasses in a cool car, you know. On the on the run, I I'm I'm already sold. And when George <laughs> Clooney's first line in the movie 
I'm like 16 years old, but I'm hearing this shit. And he's just like, this first line in the movie, he's pointing a gun at this guy. He goes, you think I'm fucking playing games with you, asshole? You know, and I'm used to like ER George Clooney. At that <laughs> right. Point, right. Yeah, my mom and was just, like a diehard ER watcher, so I watch like, it every week. And I'm just like, I'm taking it back in my seat. I'm just like, this guy's a pediatrician. You know, and he's just, <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit. I'm like I'm 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 like I'm ready I'm ready for the ride man let's go this is gonna be awesome yeah what a performance by him in this like oh yeah so so snappy so fucking intimidating and quick and what a delivery man like this made him a star it it totally this is this got to be the one that made him a star because this was early in his film career I mean he'd been done he'd done television forever but uh, this was early in his film career. And I remember his performance in this made me realize that a lot of times a bad acting performance can rely on the director. Um, because he had also had done Batman and Robin, and yep. was like one of the worst Batmans ever, yet I don't blame George Clooney for that one bit. That's got to no. totally... Because after I saw this, I'm like, oh, it's that funny. is how he should have played Batman. <laughs> is... Wouldn't that have been something... Stick guns in their faces, and you know, well, maybe not the guns, but just this total badass aura that he shit. gave. It wasn't even so much Conf- like confident confidence. as ever. Yes, yes, all confidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I know this is this is all Quentin, but his one-liners are just his. Like you said, they're so snappy. You know, psychos do not explode when sunlight hits them. I don't give a fuck how crazy they are. You know, it just it's just. <laughs> So it's so good, and this movie is so quotable, which is typical Tarantino, anyway. But and he yeah, he's good in the movie as an actor, which he isn't yeah. always. That's true. Yeah. yeah, and it's a different role for him too. He's yeah. a little more. He's a little more like subdued and like you know, he's crazy Ooh. without being Quentin Tarantino style crazy. I, uh-huh. I was gonna say, I think he excels in this because it's the closest to his real personality. <laughs> oh God! There is, there is foot fetish in this movie, isn't there? Oh yeah, and he's just a uh-huh. creep. Like I imagine, this is the closest we've seen Quentin to <laughs> real life. Right? Not not the uh, fiction one, not the uh, uh-huh. death proof one, but this is is closest to. Yeah, he wrote it with himself in mind. Like, come on, for someone else, and then he ended and up getting the part, and he's like, "Oh shit, this is me." The, yeah. the great thing is, is that this this film. You know, it, spa- it spawned a lot of sequels, but it spawned a freaking TV series, too. Yeah. Which is pretty decent. Yeah, it was yeah. bad. And I love the fact that they actually physically finally get to go into a big kahuna burger in the series. <laughs> mm. I was just like, we get to see the restaurant, finally, you know? Um, I, I One other thing, and I guess, I get no matter what you say and think of, like, Quentin Tarantino, I... One of the things I love about him is is just bringing back these cool actors that deserve a second chance at a career. You know, like people like Michael Parks. How great was Michael Parks in this oh, movie? Yeah. Fucking doesn't say oh. anything, but says everything. You know, like you're just captivated by by his his dialogue in this movie. Yeah, just, Fred Williamson and Fred yeah. Williamson getting him back. Cheech Mar playing three characters. Yeah, getting yeah. Cheech in there three separate times. Um, but like back to Parks, like I feel like this movie put him back on the map too. You know. Yeah. Um, and the, and Quentin has always done that. You know, with um, oh, like in uh, Jackie Jackie Brown. What's his name? What's the actor's name? 
he just Robert died recently. Forster. Yeah, yeah. Robert yeah. Forster. I just watched recently. Um, when I say recently, it's probably been three or four months. That Quentin Tarantino documentary thing. Oh yeah, QT8 or something. Yeah, yeah. Which was really good, and just listening to him talk about, you know, Quentin going to bat for him, even when he didn't think he would be able to do it. You know, that Quentin had that much faith in him more than he had faith in himself. I mean, and yeah, he got a, and he got his new career out of it. You know? Yeah, and he that, sort of. That's just awesome. He sort of does what Rob Zombie wants to do, yeah. but Rob. Rob has brought, I will say this, Rob has brought a lot of, he brought a lot of actors out of obscurity back into the limelight, and then they went on and did some not great stuff. Yeah. Um, doesn't necessarily remind us how good they were always, but he did bring them back, where I remember how big of a deal it was when um, Travolta was cool again for a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he had got, he had, he was... I mean, he's he's back to where he was before that now, but um, for yeah, a while which is there, his own he, fault, but right, yeah, and for a while there he was like the King shit. least, yeah, yeah, the the least cool he human was... alive, and then he became the coolest guy again because of Pulp Fiction, you know, mm-hmm. and then slowly slipped back down. But there was a time, you know, with Grease and Saturday Night Fever and all that stuff, where he was the man, yeah, and then his career died, and then he Urban came back, cowboy. And- Right, like it's crazy, you know. He did that, and that's what Tarantino's so good at is recognizing that these people do have talent. They've just made some bad choices or are in a rut, you know. And if you use them right, you can pull out, you know, some great performances and and use these use these actors again. Yep, it's what good casting I mean, like, can do. What's absolutely yeah the the biggest to me surprise that, that is in this movie the the sort of coolest twist is Harvey Keitel. <laughs> yeah. He's like the most grimy, always sort of the biggest asshole, most intimidating prick playing uh-huh. uh, Jacob Fuller in this, like a dad who's very, but but you know he has his moments too of badassery towards the end. Uh, he's always firm. That that dialogue between him and Clooney when they're driving the uh, RV to Mexico is so great because he's he's you know sticking right there with him and not let not taking Clooney shit and that he earns his respect that way. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a great scene, and I've, I've been a Kaitel fan. I don't want to say I've always been a Kaitel fan because if it wasn't for Tarantino, I probably would have never discovered Kaitel. Like all the way back to Reservoir Dogs, you know. I mean, yes, yeah, you know, Taxi Driver. I was gonna say Taxi Driver is where I always knew him from. But oh yeah, the pimp. But he never yeah. really, he never really the jumped off lieutenant. the screen at me until yeah. Reservoir Dogs, and then. Yeah. For the longest time, it was like, Harvey Keitel, Harvey Keitel, Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel can play anything. You know, put him in everything. He could be Batman. Um, I But I, I agree with Tad on the... He almost becomes like... Almost like a almost like a father figure to to Seth in this, you know. Right. But he but he but he but he kind of he kind of knows that he ha- he's walking around a minefield. If he says the, like the wrong thing to him, it could very well piss him off. But he has to get his point point across. He just goes. He just goes. He asks me like like that scene where he says, "Are you at? Are you such a fucking loser that you can't tell when you won?" Right. You yeah. know, or you know, and of course, you know, like. Seth is just like I'm gonna finish this bottle and then I'm gonna go over there and I'm gonna bust it over his melon fucking head, you know. He's because t- he was mad because that bouncer put his hand on him, you know. It's just like 
you need to chill out, man. You're 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 already in the clear. Why the hell are you stirring up more shit? Right, he plays a straight man. Like he's the little angel on his uh, shoulder, while his brother is like the devil. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the other amazing things about this movie that I'm sure we've all done is invite Went to the titty twister. Yeah. Nope, no. <laughs> uh, we all had uh, movie watching parties with this, and we'd never warned people about the second half. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I wish. Yeah. I think this is the first movie I ever watched where it w- it went from one movie to another. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't think of an. Uh, this had to be the first time where a movie did a complete 180 and completely changed. The movie it was a whole new movie at some point. You know, it the completely only, changed trajectories. The only other time that's ever happened for me is a more recent movie called Thank You for Calling or. or <laughs> Yep, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, with the horse people. Yeah, but yeah. that that's the only other time. But this one this one was worse. <laughs> Mike's face on that one. <laughs> the horse yeah, people. You gotta see that. It's a cool yeah. ass movie on Hulu. Yeah, check it yeah, out. Yeah, it's it's really damn weird, but uh, it just it does like it doesn't even do a 180. I mean, it just goes like straight into the fucking great beyond. Like yeah, it's it shoots straight into the fucking air. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's out of this fucking world, but it's off subject. Sorry. See, and, and that's where like the a- advertising campaign for this movie, because I remember when it came out and the ads yeah. for it on TV really hurt the film more than anything else. I feel because it was all the advertising campaign was all focused on the vampire shit. It totally spoiled that. That'd be like if they did the trailer for Psycho back in the day and just showed scenes of Norman Bates running around in a dress, you know? Right. Um, Just it would have been so cool if nobody had any freaking clue that was going to happen at all. And lucky me, I was too young to remember that, so when I first (laughs) saw it at a friend's house, I did not know it was a vampire movie. I did not know who Quentin Tarantino was. I had no idea. The only person in this movie I knew... Was George Clooney, <laughs> and by the t- your local by the time you finally calmed down from seeing him <laughs> as the guy from ER, and you're you finally calmed down of him being you know a gun toting badass, then all of a sudden there's vampires. Yeah, I, I specifically, like I said earlier, I have like two stories I remember. <laughs> the first time I saw this, I was at my friend Nico's house. Uh, shout out, shout to, out to him. He's yeah. He's he's a amazing tattoo artist. Love the guy. Still still talk to him all the time. Good friend. Um, his we go to, went to uh, <laughs> went to his place. You know when we were in elementary school, his mom was one of the ones that worked nights or worked like weird hours, so she's never around. So we'd go and hang out and watch movies we weren't supposed to, and eat a bunch of junk food. And he's like, you ever seen this? I'm like, no, let's watch it, you know? And, like, I had seen some horror stuff. I had seen, you know, Friday 13th and that kind of stuff. But at this point, I was not I was not watching films. I was like, watch whatever my mom watched, whatever. You know, I, I wasn't old enough to, like, really have my own movies. I just watched what my brother watched or whatever. And I remember we t- put tuned us in, and it's like, that opening scene right away is like, oh, shit, this is a serious movie, you know? And... I just remember that feeling of like, I should not be watching this, but I'm loving this. And to me, this movie definitely, um, definitely has that. I mean, it's that exploitation feeling, but it's like, it's not, it has funny moments. It has, you know, nudity. It has vampires, explosion, blood guts. It has everything. A kid, like 
it, it, it's always it's sort of the way I describe, uh, you know, Planet Terror too. Is like I would have written this movie when I was like fourteen because it's just like <laughs> everything I love thrown into a movie, you know. And then, and then you know the the, the they all turn to vampires after this, you know, after she comes out and strips for them, and you know, and and a guy has a cock gun, and then uh, <laughs> just so much awesomeness, and I love it. Um, his name is Sex Machine. Yeah, so like, yeah, I, I just remember watching that at his place late at night on VHS and just like the feeling of adrenaline that I wasn't supposed to be watching this, but how cool was it? I couldn't wait to go like tell my friends I got this, I saw this movie. And um, the other time was when I was dating a girl in high school and her she had you know her parents were separated divorced and um we were hanging out at her dad's house and she didn't see her dad all that often so it was sort of you know not a common thing and she was like yeah i'm sort of nervous like awkward that i have to spend the weekend at my dad's we come over hang out and her dad was a like associate principal at the high school and so it was like you know weird because i saw him as i was very intimidated by him he was a you know a, a person with authority at my school and I was dating his daughter, so go over there, and we're hanging out and just being asshole kids and hanging out. And we, I remember we went into the living room, and he was watching this movie, and I was like, oh, From Dust Till Dawn. And he like grabbed, he couldn't grab the remote quicker and try to turn the channel because he's so embarrassed. And I'm like, no, man. Like, we're, <laughs> like this is, I, I relate to you right now. This is okay. Like, <laughs> I know this movie in and out. Like, I wanted to sit down and talk movies with him, and he was, like, embarrassed. And she's like oh, no, no, he just doesn't, you know, he's a teacher. Like, he doesn't want his students, like, people at the school knowing that he watches them. Like, no, that I think cool. he's way cooler. Yeah, yeah. Like, now I think he's way cooler because I see him <laughs> as, like, a person and not just, like, some authority figure to me. So it was sort of like, oh, Teachers man, Teachers are people, like, too? Right, like, turn it back <laughs> over. Like, I've seen this a hundred times. You're not going to offend me. Come on, like, throw it on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, had a, I had a similar one, but it was with my, my, my grandfather, and I did, you know, because he's like, he's, he was like very Christian and stuff, and he kind of intimidated the hell out of me too, but that's another story. But um, it was uh, when, in Army of Darkness, and he's, the, the evil Ash is like punching, you know, good Ash in the face and doing the goody two-shoes dance, and, you know, <laughs> and finally he pulls out the 12-gauge and stick it in, sticks it in his face, and I didn't really, I was nervous before because my grandfather doesn't really, you know, he was very Christian and everything, <laughs> and he, he puts the 12-gauge in Ash's face, and, and he just kind of, he sees like evil Ash look, looks up, and just my grandfather shouts at the TV, I will never forgive us, and he says, well, fucking shoot him! <laughs> I was like, yes! <laughs> Thank you! It made me so happy. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Dust Till Dawn. Mike, did you see this one in theaters? No, I don't know why I didn't, but I wish I would have. I don't remember my yeah. first watchings. Uh, it's definitely, it was on video for me. Um, yeah, I think the, the scene when I watched it with Nico, the one that, that really, like stood out I, I can remember it like in my head like it was yesterday was the uh scene where he leaves uh richie in the hotel room with the maid that mm. they kidnapped and uh-huh. comes back and i was like oh no like i That's i like not good i'd never really seen like rape and murder in a movie well i've seen murder plenty but it was always sort of campy 
at that point, yeah. and this was not at all campy. And do that scene where they they flash the body so they don't show it full on. And they don't and say; just, they just insinuate right, that he's you know. a bad guy. And, right. And and seventy five percent of what makes that all impactful is because all you, for most of it, all you're really seeing is just George Clooney's reaction. Yeah. Right. And that's what sells all of it. That tells the whole story just in his face. But a sexual deviant was never a real main character, really. Like, they insinuated some yeah. bad shit with Richie, so... And and the the, the crazy <laughs> dynamic of, of all of this... These guys are our heroes! <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You, end up you know, it's just like, wow! Yeah, I, I rewatching this, the one thing that always sticks out like a sore thumb to me, and it always has and always will is his son Scott the Ernest Lou I'm looking at IMDb cuz I don't know yep. what this kid's name is just a bad performance from like, I mean he's a kid yeah. but uh I felt like his his acting is just horrid in this movie where he's I mean he's surrounded by a bunch of really great people even Juliette Lewis is great in this yeah. um yeah. but I felt like rewatching this he is just not good and it it just it sticks out like a sore thumb and um, since we were mentioning uh, documentaries about movies before, yeah. uh, one might want to check out the documentary, which is the making of this film. Uh, it's called Full Tilt Boogie, and uh, it's basically, Damn good. you know, yeah. Oh, Maybe yeah. better in the movie. It, it might be. It's a great doc, <laughs> like, and it's a bonus feature on the DVD. I don't know if yep. they carried that over to the Blu-ray or not, yeah. but... So that's where I first I think saw the, it. I think the Blu-ray is a Mill Creek release, so it has like nothing on oh, it. Oh God! How did Mill not, Creek it, get their hands on from Dustal Dawn? I don't know. You think, yeah, and, and they don't have the rights to it. Last I looked, I thought it was out of print, but um, you think that like Shout Factory would pick this up? Because what a blast! Everybody loves this movie. Come on! I'll tell you what. I've been, you know, listening to a lot of other horror podcasts. I think Mill Creek is starting to kind of come around and be because. I've heard a lot of praise for a lot of recent Mill Creek releases. And I think I think he I think they're turning into the, the Anchor Twilight Bay. Of, I think they're turning oh. into the Anchor Bay of the day because I remember when Anchor Bay started off in video distribution, they were just like the old Good Times VHS label. It was like recorded on the long play format, and it was all public domain garbage. And then and then like you know, ten years later. All all and cinephiles love Anchor Bay. I was gonna say ten years later and four hundred fifty versions of Army of Darkness and Halloween <laughs> later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. <clears throat> well, uh, yeah, I I love this one, man. Selma Hayek is super hot. Uh, oh yeah, the creepy Juliet Lewis. You know where Richie's. Uh, imagining things oh. she's saying is uncomfortable but i looked it up and she's 21 when she filmed this <laughs> <laughs> i just don't i don't i don't know if i can let this go on just because it's tarantino and robert rodriguez to end on a high note but no oh, come on uh let's get real guys what re-watching this movie i'll start with the the not easy one but in the in the I don't know, the first 15 minutes of this movie, I don't think I liked the dialogue. I don't think it held up. I thought it was, I don't Are think it held up. Are you saying the dialogue feels dated for 
it's 90s smart guys dialogue 90s, that was happening back then? Well, that and a little of the, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know necessarily. Well, you know what George Clooney would say, right? <laughs> That's a matter of opinion, and I don't give a fuck about yours, right? <laughs> right. I... <laughs> It just in the. I'm not saying it's in in the Me Too world. I'm not saying in a in a more sensitive world. Yeah, I don't even want to repeat one thing that he says <laughs> because it's racist and awful, and I don't like oh, that kind of talk yeah. anymore. Oh yeah, def- there's definitely yeah. some data stuff in uh, right. a few of the movies we watch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying that didn't hold up to me, and I didn't like. Get this time around. That's true. That stuff, maybe not. It was there was some too harsh quintoning going on, but like, <laughs> and Quint- he's he still does a little bit of that at times. He does, and he's, I don't. He rides that line, and he sort of. And I don't necessarily like it. Well, That's all we, I'm trying wanna, to say. As a snowflake into that. <laughs> I hear you. Into that conversation you. of like, like what about um, Django Unchained? Oh, I don't like any of that. It's hard to watch. For me. Yeah, I, I it's, it is hard to watch, but I that's how they talked. Which but, is yeah, but that was the hardness of the times. That's, but for me, like, it's worse in like, Pulp Fiction. It's worse in Pulp Fiction? Is that what yes. you said? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'd never like it. And that's because I'm a sensitive snowflake. And then the other thing... <laughs> I'm just saying, it didn't. When I heard it this time around, I'm like, that's just too harsh. It's just too much. You don't have to be that big of an asshole, Quentin. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, let's be real, guys. The, the vampire. Uh, the effects are fucking horrible yep. that are digital. Yep. Oh, the yeah. digital effects? That's okay. what I was going to say. It's too. awful. I bought, you about broke my heart if you were saying all the effects were bad. <laughs> no, that's crazy, son. Minus, I, I I'll never, I'll never love it. I'll never like it at all. But when the band suddenly has guitars made of body parts, I love that. Yeah, but I mean, like, I, I wasn't a fan of that either. I mean, like, then you, that's when you lose me. Like, I'm not saying you can't have a, 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 a vampire movie that's based in reality. But then that's cartoony. So then you're like taking another level, which undoes a lot of where you're trying to keep the movie. And so, like, yeah, it's funny and it's a cool joke, but it actually hurts the movie because it's too much it takes cartoon. Away from the scare. Is it mostly that moment of the mariachi band with the human body parts? Absolutely. Because I feel like there's a lot tonally to that. I, I admit it's out of it's out of nowhere, yeah. And it can and it can be off putting, but there's a lot of vampire stuff. I feel like the to- the tone changes of the movie it's, big time with the vampire stuff. It does. Like the first half is so much, you know, more more serious and more what you would expect from like Quentin Tarantino or whatever. Uh-huh. And then the second half is is more of a silly silly vampire romp, right. you know, over the top effects, exploitation and all that because there's a lot of goofy like when Tom Savini starts turning into a vampire, he's trying to hide it from him. And to me, that his performance in that is straight out of like a Looney Tunes cartoon. His teeth start popping out, so he covers his mouth, and his eyes are real big. Yeah, right. I'm not sure. I'm a fan of these moments in this movie. So you I, just don't. I mean, I can I get, get why you do it. I mean, it's you're having fun. Let's do all these things, but 
for me, like in that same vein, one thing I've noticed the last couple times I've watched it are it, it's the in the vampire scenes. Um, there's some scenes where it's straight up out of a like unbelievable. I mean, I mean, it's a movie, but there's right. parts where it <laughs> where it becomes like you know a human that just turned vampire, like a main character versus one of our good guys, and there's vampires that are supposed to be wrecking the bar and killing everyone all around them. And you look and they're extras and like the vampire makeup and they're just like pacing around in the background, not doing shit. And it's like yeah. distracting to me because they're trying to make the bar look like it's packed full shoulder to shoulder of vampires ravaging. But you just see some like lady in a costume walk across the screen like six times aimlessly. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing? It's, it's, it's like distracting. And that old, thing of like a ninja turtle or any kind of really um action movie where once two characters are going to fight everybody stops to watch and it's like (laughs) yeah you know and so that you know uh clooney can take out vampires one at a time conveniently with his big like jackhammer (laughs) that's uh, the most least ineffective right tool that you'd ever want to have right i mean it's badass but you would never want it one of those things is just um, it's a it's it's plays in the same vein of that band where it's like this is very cartoony, um, but I I I still enjoy the hell out of it. I just yeah I I do love that when the band's playing and you know what they say fuck you good night instead of thank you good night <laughs> and then they just explode and then that's it. It's, then yeah, my next part explode? there's a massive inconsistency amongst the vampires. Now I'm not saying I'm against there being lots of different kinds of vampires. Yeah, some burn. So like explode. we got we, the very first one we have is Selma Hayek when she turns in this scene that she's like you're holding lady. your breath in for ten minutes, and then she transforms into the snake looking. What she thing. had a snake on her shoulders, which you know, sort of like her okay. specialty, right? And then you know you got your chubby guys, you know, and that are your typical ones, and then you got Savini that turns into a dog. <laughs> and if the band can disappear, then why can't? Others, everybody, yeah. so I, it's, I know when you start looking too hard into something ridiculous like a vampire movie, that's. I do, I do think the cl- a clever part is when Fred Williamson's character throws a sex machine, and you, like I still sort of forgot about it this time because you know he's still human. He picks him up and throws him through the window, and you don't realize like that's bad because all the bats are going to come in. Yeah, it's a genius oh, yeah. turn because he's oh, still yeah. human. He picks him up, throws him over his shoulder, and turns around, and he's a vampire now. And all the bats are coming in. It's like, oh, there's a twist. You know, you think he's taking the upper hand, and he's not. But I, I love. Is, is he a vampire or just a giant so poop monster with the worst no yeah, neck I'll, makeup I've I'll ever say seen? His ma- Fred Williamson's makeup was pretty bad. But the yeah, guy, yeah. yes, awesome. It's awesome. Or I love when he flips the table over and uses... That's the, cool. That's awesome. Totally. Yeah. Great gag. Get, get four kills that way. But at the end of the day, practical versus digital, that really yeah. hurts the movie. Yeah. Regardless yeah, the of the gags. He was definitely he was very upset with his domino, when his domino sculpture tipped over, though. <laughs> really upset. I, uh, I still remember, too, the big reveal at the end where they showed the back of the bar. It's so fucking cool still. Oh, oh awesome. Yeah, still. Uh, yeah. Like a temple. 
Yeah, that's yeah. Ba- basically that's like a good built, reveal yeah. right there at the end. Yeah, uh, and it's just it's got like all these semis and just all this other shit that they pillaged for years. You know that they just let tumble down the hill. And uh, one thing that I really like, one little nuance that I like that made sense, that made total sense to me for uh, Clooney's character, is when you know that that really heavy set you know, Mexican vampire, the, the bouncer from before. And they're, they're, they're got, they got pool cues and two by fours and they're just beating a piss out of them. And there's this, and Fred Williams's character just goes, hold up, you know, and he stops and then Clooney just looks around and he has to just, he's just, he has to get one more hit in. He just has to just swing one more time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. And it just makes, it's, it's something that to me, that would, that that's something totally that that character would do. Cool. I think we should move on to our next yeah. film. We've uh, the ups and downs are from Dust Till Dawn, so I couldn't let it all be good. <laughs> but it's an awesome movie. I always recommend it. We would all recommend it in a heartbeat absolutely. if you haven't seen it. But yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Andy, what's our next movie? Our next movie is from 2005, and it is the very first uh, Project Greenlight from the Weinstein Company. From, um, uh, I think that was headed by. Uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, mm-hmm. I believe. And this is from 2005. I think I ever said that already, but this is called Feast. guy that's gonna save your ass feast is about uh dive bar patrons from all walks of life are forced to fight for their lives as monsters try to force their way in and eat them many lives are lost as they try to secure the bar by boarding up the windows 
in very typical uh, uh, Night of the Living Dead uh, order. I had not seen this film since it probably when it came out, maybe around like uh, uh, on DVD, excuse me, like around 06. Um, it's got some great characters in it. I mean, I love Clue uh, Gulliger's character in this. He's probably, like, my favorite character in this. And the character intros with the title cards are just hilarious hilarious because they tell them who they are. And you immediately know and you you immediately identify with this character because uh, you probably have met some of these kinds of people in your life. And, and, you know, um, just... uh, and it also says their life expense expense expectancy <laughs> in the film, which is hilarious. All, all of them are are funny, you know. Uh, like Jason Muses says, like uh, already surpassed expectations. You know, he's already lived. You know, longer than you thought they would. Yeah, yeah. It's longer than you thought he would. And Jason Muse actually plays himself. And uh, before got, before he sort of had a good comeback. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anthony uh, Tretch, Chris, is vet, and he does not last very long. Uh, he is also the uh, the head MC of Naughty by Nature, the rap group, which I was just like, holy shit, he's in this? I forgot. <laughs> um, the You've also got Krista Allens, who plays Tuffy, the waitress, and she's, she's awesome in this. Um, she's also the one that um, is only liked because she's got great big jugs in uh, Liar Liar. Yeah, in the uh, she was in the uh, elevator with Jim Carrey. Yep. In li- okay, thank you. Help, help me out here. Yeah. Of course. Um, Henry Rollins is great in this as a uh, as a motivational speaker called Coach. Um, his 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 lines are great, but I still think Clue Gulliger has got the best lines in the movie. Um. Yes, and the, and the monsters the monsters in this are are pretty vicious. My my only complaint on this films, I think some of the cuts are too quick because sometimes I could barely tell what was going on. I mean, there was so much going on, and they were cutting back and forth so quick. I was just like, I had a hard time, you know, just keeping up as to what exactly was was going on. I had to like rewind the film a few times to just make sure I was like, I was I was catching everything. Um. The, the the thing I love about this film, the people that you think are going to survive do not at all. It's it was it's it was hard for it was hard for me to uh gauge. Um especially I love the fact that they that in this film they take the tough guy trope and they literally wipe their ass with it. Yeah. They say like uh, the, the literally the guy that says I'm the guy that's going to save your ass, and then boom, yeah. he gets yanked out of a window and eaten. I love that. Uh huh. Abs- absolutely love that. I mean, then all the gloves are off. Then you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, what was um, what else? What else? What else? I had, I had some stuff written down here. Hold on. Um, the uh. One thing that I did want to point out is in the introduction of Beer Guy, um, on the back wall, if you are a music fan, 
there is a framed photo back there, and it's of a 44 Magnum sitting on a plate of potatoes and peas. Can any of you guys tell me what insert album that is from? Nope. There, there's a what? <laughs> <laughs> there is a uh, there's a framed photo in the background when okay. the beer guy gets introduced, and uh, it's actually the insert to an old album. And what it is, it's a 44 Magnum sitting on a plate of potatoes and peas. No, it sounds, I, I picture it in my head. I didn't recognize it on the wall. What is it? It is the insert to Warren Zevon's uh, album, Excitable Boy. And I think it came out in 76, and it's the album with Werewolves of London on it. Okay. So, interesting tidbit there. Um, I love the fact that Anytime somebody is like a smartass in this movie and thinks they says something so clever, immediately they get offed. <laughs> like, like when, that makes you um, scared to be in a movie, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's because it's like <laughs> boss man is like laying down, like on the ground. They like, they like, you know, their meals that move, you know, and he's not moving. <laughs> Boom! Instantly dead. Gets yanked like through the floorboards. It's great stuff. Um. Yeah, I, I loved, you know, all the characters, you know, and even though Bossman was kind of a, a scuzzy bastard, but, uh, yeah, I mean, even, I love the fact that even the kid, the kid was not safe at all. The kid got oh, off. Oh, I know. Like, immediately. And I was just like, oh, man, that was like, you know, but like I said, they, they, they took all tropes and yeah. just completely just got rid of all of them. Um the the kills were great. Um, personally, my favorite kill out of all of them is the the beer guy because this uh, this creature does like this hand clap and just like completely squashes his head and it, it explodes. It's just in it this all this gore mm-hmm. and it's 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 so good. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll leave the rest up to you guys. Um, I stepped away for a second. Did you mention the Project Greenlight and how yes, this came yeah. to be? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mike and I actually watched the show live when it was on and followed it and got to see it from the very beginning, beginning. And so right. it was pretty exciting to see the movie actually come out. We're big fans of that. You know, uh, Clue Gulliger, hey, shut the fuck up or get out or uh, <laughs> where's that little fucker? And the creature humping the face of that taxidermy deer. <laughs> oh man, yeah, oh my god, great stuff. Um, yeah, it's, I I can't. It's been a while I, since I've seen this one too. Yeah, and it was, and, it, and as I'm watching it, I was just like, it has been too long. Why haven't I sat down and watched this again? Um. It's pretty dang good. Going yeah. back to um, a previous episode that we recorded, just the last episode, um, I have the two sequels on DVD, and they are—they have not seen them. Hmm, I have not either. I think Mike has. I don't think I. Have. I don't think they're technically unwrapped. <laughs> because, I when I've been revisiting some of these movies for the podcast, I've been digging through my physical media collection. And um, 
I discovered I own all three Feast movies, which I did not know, and they're all from Blockbuster. Like, hmm. when our Blockbuster went out of business, I probably bought, like, 150 DVDs because they were, like, 50 cents a piece or something. And I just bought, like, anything that looked at watchable, and they had all the Feast movies. And I believe what Marcus Dunstan wrote this, one of the two writers, and he ended up doing the collector and the collection and that series. He was tapped to write and direct the new Halloween before they rebooted the series. Um, he did an episode of Into the Dark, the Pilgrims one. He's a local guy, like Iowa City, Macomb area. Was, you know, from this area and my area and Jason and Mike's area, not yours, Andy. But uh, he, he's a local guy. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you. No. Um, <laughs> no. So I just always associate him uh, with, with this. And I think he was involved in all the sequels, too. But I, st- I have not seen them. They, they never got good reviews, but I do own them. And, uh, you know, maybe this will motivate me since I have a little more time at night now and on the weekends. So I think it's interesting uh, to look at the point where Jason Muse was during this movie. It was <laughs> sort of after his big surge with uh, Kevin Smith, but at the point where he hadn't cleaned up his life. So it was probably at his low right around the time he was really bad shape. Um, yeah, he kept, had a problem with heroin, didn't he? Yes, and I think at this stage he might might have been when he didn't when he had like really bad teeth because I remember that was a big thing. Like he lost his teeth, so he had to get new teeth. Oh man! But uh, I kind of like his dark hair, though. Yeah, he's almost unrecognizable. Uh, I always thought uh, Judah Friedlander. Yep, he's always funny and crazy. He's sort of a oh, Brian Posehn like character. Mm. And almost plays himself and everything. He can't really play anything else. Right, right. But I, I loved in this movie. He was like the lovable dope, and you know he gets his eye picked out, and everything keeps oh. happening. The scene where he's like, "Is it? How does it look?" And he has the maggots in his eye somehow. <laughs> uh, Is it getting better? Yeah, he just he's just a lovable idiot that we all relate to because it's like, yeah, he, he's looking out the window and he's like, "I think they're humping," you know. And, <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? He's like, is that? Did just take a dump? It's like, no, it had a kid, you idiot. Like, but it, he's so damn funny in this. And uh, my favorite, obviously, is Henry Rollins. Hell yes, Henry Rollins and pink sweatpants against oh, and monster. Hilarious. Yeah, it does not get better, man. I love that he does does not take himself too seriously when it comes to acting. Like, yeah. a guy like him, you know, he he's not a Danzig. Let's say that. Right. Like, he knows Danzig. Yeah, he he's aware of who he is. He's aware of his reputation. Um, he can turn it on and off in a second. Where Danzig never turns it off, and that's why we're all laughing at him and not with him. Yep. And Hank will work hard at it, right? Harder and, than anyone. And yeah, and and that's the thing with him is that he's he will claim up and down, and he's so humble. He talks about how he's not a good actor, and he he'll almost blast himself. He doesn't give himself enough credit. He's great in this. He is. He's, He's, he's great in, in a lot of stuff. He's great in Wrong Turn too. I love this. You know, I love oh, him. In yeah, movie. Yeah. It's probably Watch. hard for me to be critical of him because I just love him as a person. Yep. He, never, he never died is really good, too. Yeah. Oh, man. He got mm. to be the lead. How awesome. Oh, I love Henry Rollins so much. Yep. He's the man. There's some, there's some uh, sort of white-knuckle moments in this one, some uh, pucker-your-butthole moments where... <laughs> 
where the the dickhead is going up they send him upstairs to get the radio and he they break the key off in the door and can't get him back out yeah. and the monster's coming up from behind you sort of feel like at first you sort of like at least in my maybe it's just how i relate to that kind of character um at first i don't have any sympathy for him and i'm like fuck that yeah. guy he's the attractive hot dude the sort of a a prick dickhead. yeah but in that stage it's like you know, he sort of stu- he actually stood up and went for it, and not that he had much of a choice, but you know, at that moment, you're sort of want actually want him to live for a second. And then later on, you actually feel you actually find out that he's the brother of the kid in the wheelchair. Right. You didn't even, yeah. I, that you know, I, I that forgot all about that. Killed. Yep. No. Yeah, they're they're not going by the rules in this one. No. Kill the kid. Kill the kid in a wheelchair. Kill the hero. Mm-hmm. Kill the hero within the first <laughs> two minutes of his of the of his and, scenes. And the whole movie gore fest. It yep. is awesome. Loved it. This movie was definitely watching it this time, not watching it in forever. I for, either forgot as to how much of a comedy it is. Yeah. Like it, it's definitely, it's definitely what you would call a horror comedy. It, it's got a lot. And of I, humor yeah, I think the it. the freeze frame titles in the beginning help set the tone for that. Yeah, thankfully. Yeah, and I and I love how a lot of them are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Again, going back to the guy that's supposed to be the hero, and he's like, you know, shows his survival, or and he's like, most definitely, or something like that, and then he's like taken out in literally the next scene. Speaking of those, Tad, and your intro, and uh, the, I like the I like the freeze frame stuff on this, but like the fonts were so boring, right? Yeah. The title, title, the fonts in those freeze frame moments were just the most generic thing I've ever seen. Pretty plain Jane, but I think I don't know if that's what they're going for uh, to get the point across real quick. Well, but it didn't really, sometimes didn't a little really too bother quick, me because I didn't have enough time to read <laughs> half of them. But I also wanted to compliment the opening of this fucking movie was awesome. How they did it in the little tiny square, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and how they did the font of the movie and all giant mm. within that. I love how this movie started. Yeah, it felt like film for a second, and oh, I really, yeah, cool. I really liked that a lot. Did you talk about the project Greenway? Green light. Green yes. light. I mean. Yes, yeah. that we watched it from yeah. when the show was on. and Yeah, it was really cool. I wish they'd put those out on yeah. DVD or Blu-ray or something. I wish. Especially that one. That one was fun to watch. And just like how John Gulliger was just beaten down by everybody. And you just thought, watching this documentary show, that this movie wasn't, first of all, ever going to get finished. It was a horror show. Yeah, it, it was, was more horrific than the movie. Yeah, it's every like, bad Hollywood story you can imagine, they fucking put him through the ringer. Yeah, and he did not handle it well no, either. No, he did not. Very big kind of pushover, like, not stand up for himself kind of guy. And and all I could think of was like, what is this movie going to look like but when it comes out? There was a million chances for the movie to fail, and it was awesome to see it come out yeah obviously so, did well enough i think it was probably the most successful out of all the movies that come out of that, <laughs> that too. project green light it's obviously the most commercial out of the out of the other two seasons the films that came out yeah, of the I other wish, two seasons but. i wish that was 
watchable somewhere. I know. Yeah. Maybe maybe somebody's got it downloaded to YouTube somewhere. We'll yeah, I'd say I just uh, searched it on Google, and there's episodes on HBO or on uh, YouTube. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna have to definitely try you to might have it. some of them taped. Off. I might. I might have taped them off. I don't know. Yeah. Um, man, but it was. But at the same time, I'm watching this, and as much as I love the movie, you know, we I just know how the process went. You know, wasn't it like Wes Craven teaming up with Matt Damon and who was the other guy? Was it Ben? That was the other guy behind. And I'm just like, out of all the scripts you guys got, this is the one you chose. <laughs> like, and you guys wanted to make like a, this big commercial horror movie, and this is the script you chose. And part of me also has wondered, like, you know, how much, how much does John Gulliger influences the script or the script influencing him? You know what I mean? Like, I wish I could read the original script. I know. He just felt like he was a tool. Like, I mean, not in a bad, negative way to him. He was used as a, he wasn't treated as a creative artist. Yeah, but then so. you watch some of his other stuff, and, like, you could tell it's made by the same guy who made Feast. So, yeah. his, now, stamp, you, his stamp is on that movie. Have you seen 2 and 3? Tad was says he has both of them and just can't wait to crack them open. I saw two, and I have not seen. I have not seen three, because two. I watched two at the totally wrong time of my life. We <laughs> oh, was it a Tuesday? We were making collapse. Oh, and I bought it pre-owned from like I think Fye, and you were oh. gone for some reason. So I just stayed in the hotel room. It was one of our days off, and you were gone. So I just stayed in the hotel room, jerked off, and watched movies. Right. I, That's why on, I left on your bed, um, and watching movies on your bed. What do you think? Anyway, uh, so I watched Feast Aww. Two, and like, I I don't even remember if I finished it. I think I turned it off because I don't know what what these movies have against children. Oh, but like they kill a baby, like a guy is carrying this baby and being chased down the street by these feast monsters. <laughs> And he's the asshole of the movie, obviously. And and so, to save his own ass, he throws the baby up up in the air behind him so that the, the feast monsters will eat it and he can get away. And they do. And, like, huh. and, you know, and here I am, like, two hours away from home. from that, yeah. And Simon's around, it was little like that, around that age, you know, and I'm just like, no, I'm, no. Done. I'm done with the feast movies. But then rewatching Feast One, I'm like, they kill a kid in that, in this yeah, one too. Did. I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> the Feast movies hate children. Well, I guess for Tad, as long as it's not animals, then he sh- probably won't bother. He'll be like pro. He'll be like, thanks for getting me excited to watch part two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just sold me. <laughs> it was good. It was even better than I remembered. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was it was definitely fun. It's no cinematic masterpiece or anything, but it's chaotic editing style and yeah, it's just balls just to the wall, fast paced, simple, simple story. It was yeah, it was fun. And I know they're trying to again. I, I think I go back to the script. And you remember too, the script the script writers were it was a couple kids that just graduated from the University of Iowa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And they went on. They're still doing stuff too, so that's good. At least one of them yeah. is. I was kind of looking. Yeah, I mentioned that Marcus uh, Dunstan. He's from Iowa, and uh, originally I think from Macomb area, which is where I went to school. But I think he went to school in Iowa City for film, and he's collector. the one that did the the collector series. Yeah, yeah. collection the collector, and then he was tapped to do the new uh, Halloween before they rebooted it with Jamie Lee Curtis and Blumhouse came on board. I was sort of bummed because he got hired to do it, and they even like they even announced it, and he was getting all like I'm friends with him on Facebook, and he got you know all kinds of congratulations, man, like good for you, you finally did it, all this stuff, and then they they took it from him, mm. like what a ugh. but he's he's sprung back. He did an episode of Into the Dark for Hulu, and he's done some fun stuff since then. So. Scary Stories he, Telling the yeah, Dark. Yeah, he did one on Scary Stories, yeah. But Mike's favorite movie, uh, Piranha 3 Double D. Which is also directed by John Gulliger. And, like, uh-huh. I don't know if you said that in jest, but it's I actually do kind of like that movie. It's it's <laughs> not, it's not bad, but it's fun bad. Yeah. Like, right. especially when... Oh, the David Hasselhoff stuff in it is freaking hilarious because he, you know, he's playing David Hasselhoff in the movie, and he gets he gets this job to make a personal appearance as a lifeguard at this like grand opening of this water park or whatever. And then there's a scene where he's running to rescue somebody, and it's totally they do it in slow motion, just like in Baywatch. But he ends up running only like three feet, and he's like totally winded because he's a fat old man now. Uh, it's hilarious. It's really good. Chairs being so loud. I know, stupid chair. <laughs> I switched chairs, hoping that it wouldn't. It's, it's probably water. worse. Tina will let us know. Let us know. Yeah, it's good. Maybe move on, huh? I'm assuming you guys already covered the cast too, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of cool people in the cast. Jason Mewes, lots. All the all the people we know in the cast are the ones that all get killed off. Right now. <clears throat> anyway, okay, yeah. So we can move on. Fine. Uh, so, Tad, what's the last movie we're going to talk about? The last movie is one that I sort of ranted and raved about when I saw it. Um, Maybe a month or so, or maybe a couple of weeks ago. I don't know. No one can tell time right now. Everything's <laughs> a disaster. But it is directed by Joe Begos, who did one of my other favorite movies from last year, uh, Bliss. And this is VFW from 2019. But I think it's it, it yeah. might have just been released here on VOD a couple months ago. Well, yeah. we're what? It was in February it was released, and we're in March but, um, yeah, I sort of went, like I said, on uh, one of the episodes a few weeks ago w- during what we watched. I watched this one, and I fucking loved it. So I was happy to see it pop back up, and I was happy for that because that made uh, you two watch it, Andy <laughs> or uh, Mike and Jason, because Andy, yeah. listen- Andy listened to me, and he loved it too. Oh, Lord. Oh, there you go. You've been at this, haven't you? I have. Uh-huh. To us, still here. Still here. You know where you are, kid? In the uh, VFW post. How about we close the bar down early tonight? What do you got going on? The best birthday that Freddie ever got. Linda! Hey! This is girl! It's Q and A time, kid. 
You see, the problem is that me and my old friends are probably going to die tonight unless you help us out to understand what's happening here. You steal this? Foz killed my sister, all right? This, though, it's all he's got his whole life. G-F-W. What is that? Veterans of foreign wars. Good. Soldiers are good at dying. There's only one satisfactory solution, and that is we get our product back and each of you die. You were a soldier. So we all. Let's act like it. We set a perimeter. We make our stand. You'll all die very, very slowly. You last. But what are we gonna do? Do it. Because you make a mistake. I'm gonna cut your heart out. You and me both know this ain't the only option. We can push Miss Teen USA right back out to the way she came in. It's for you that we're doing all of this. Hey, I never asked for your goddamn help, Gramps. The second you walked through that door, we were duty-bound to help you. Let's go. So uh, this story follows a group of war veterans who must defeat their local or must defend their local VFW post as an innocent teen against a deranged drug dealer in his relentless army of punk mutants. Um, yeah, this one's ultra violent, ultra bloody, great cast, uh, some true gritty veteran actors in this one. I love the cast. Uh, we Once again, Fred Williamson playing a badass. He looks exactly the same. Um, we have... Who else is in this? George Went, who's also in Bliss. Um, just some really, you know, badass dudes in this one, killing some young youngsters. Oh, Williams, the... William Sadler. Yeah, uh, I was really excited to see him. So I love William Sadler. Stephen yeah. Lang. Stephen yeah, Lang was, was my. F- he was my. Oh, he was just the coolest badass old man of all time. Yep. Who is just actually really stellar at, in uh, "Don't Breathe" as oh, well? Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah he's, he's he's awesome in this. And then uh, you even uh, uh, the, the little guy from um, uh, Twin Peaks, David Kelly. David yeah. Patrick Kelly. David Patrick Kelly. Yeah, uh, him being just this tiny little old stoner, which is. Not too far off from his character <laughs> from uh, uh, Twin Peaks, at least the, at least the new season. Yeah. Um, and Martin Cove, uh, yeah. who was in, um, uh, what was it, uh, Karate Kid. Karate Kid. Yeah, he's Sensei Kreese. Yeah, and he's in, he's in uh, Rambo First Blood Part 2. He's in a lot of great stuff, but he's a uh, total badass in this, too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they all I, are. I, I love the fact that they used like a lot of their uh, they use their environment around them because they had limited weapons. So they're make, they're making like you know uh, it's almost like uh, it's like a bar version of Predator where you know where they're making like you know <laughs> it always traps, comes back but, yeah. to Predator for 
Yeah, yeah. Well, they're sharpening off like pool cues and making like punji sticks, like you know, <laughs> they learned in Nam and shit. It, um, yeah, man. It's yeah. It's like I. It's like I said, like maybe on the last podcast. It's got all the griminess of hobo with a shotgun combined with <laughs> um, assault on precinct thirteen, which is just like two of the kinds of movies that I just absolutely absolutely love and it's just it's it's a great um it's it's just a it's it's a damn fun movie and you're you're rooting for these guys you know you really are um and all every single one of these guys you know even for even though some of them have their shortcomings you're really rooting for them you know you're really you you they're genuinely likable you know there's some sometimes you know in films like these you know like there's there's people set up like like man why don't you just kill this fucking guy I don't even like him and he's one of the good guys but in this one you you're you're very invested you're very emotionally invested in every single person in that bar trying to defend it which I think is very important. You mentioned Assault on Precinct Thirteen. To me, this movie screams. This- Assault on Precinct Thirteen, like the, like the score reminds me of that movie. Oh um, yeah, just a Great lot of the a lot of the dark imagery Very reminds me of the, of that movie, yeah. especially with the, uh, the the gang members on the outside, kind of just running around in the dark. Really reminded me a lot of Assault on Precinct Thirteen. That had to have been a huge influence on this movie. It had to have been. Well, and and if you look at the original Assault on Precinct Thirteen, the gang members. Are after um, a guy that that uh, killed killed a couple of their own. But I mean, the reason why the guy killed a couple of their own is because they murdered his daughter. And in this case, the sister got killed of an, of another sister. This girl's yeah. sister got killed. So I mean, the the setups are relatively the same as to why they are. You know, they're after. Her. I mean, she stole their drugs, but. Still, they, they they echo one another as to why they're even attacking this VFW in the first place. There's almost something when it comes to a lot of the gang members in this. When it's like a big horde of gang members attacking, there's something almost, um, uh, almost something supernatural about them. Almost like a almost like a horde of zombies in a way on how they attack. Yeah, and how yeah, they're like, all drug, drugged out, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Tweaked. Or that's is, true what, because what's it called in this movie? It's like tension or uh, hype, or, or right? No. Hype, hype. Oh, drugs. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just yeah, just like how they're attacking, almost like a horde of zombies. They're getting like hit and chopped at and stuff, but they still keep coming. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, any any siege movie like these, or like you know, people trying to keep people out or in. I mean, all I think all of these movies owe a tip of the cap to uh, Night of the Living Dead. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and and I, I'm just gonna keep waxing Stephen Lang's car, man, because he was just freaking <laughs> awesome. Like, I want him to be, I want him to be my grandpa. I mean, right? He's that freaking cool. Like if they ever do if if they ever do like a remake of Popeye, but set it in a post apocalyptic world, yeah, Stephen Lang's got to play Popeye. I'm just saying. <coughs> yeah, this guy makes me think that he like served with uh, 
um, Clint Eastwood's character in Gran Torino, you know. <laughs> and I, I love how he just total take charge without like being like, you know, super asshole bossy about it. Yeah. And everybody respects him and knows that he is in charge without having to say it. Like, His bar. Like, even when, even when he, like, kind of loses it there for a little bit and he just kind of goes off to, on his own and drinks in the back room or whatever. And everybody, everybody's just trying to look for leadership at that point. And just the minute he walks back in the room, everybody's like, yep, all right, our leader's back. Let's do this. Yeah, I love that this director, Joe Bagos, has um, George Went. He sneaks him into movies he should not be in. He's in <laughs> Little Bliss, and it's like, what are you doing here, man? Like, it's I love it. You know, he's he's sort of try- doing the thing we just talked about, where he's bringing back people that he probably loved from his childhood that had a big influence on him, and throws them in his movies now. At the end of a bar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at first we, I I didn't realize right. he was in Bliss because at first I'm like, okay. Yeah. That's a little bit of an inside joke casting right there. George Wentz done some things lately. Yeah, yeah. No, I know so he's been popping up some more, and I like how he good. how he's popping up in more dramatic stuff and not always just and it's comedy. Because he's not your normal guy. He's a little chubby dude, and mm-hmm. that's just not normal. So good for him, man. I'm glad that you guys like this. Is it enough that you'll go watch Bliss now? I, I'm. I want to now. I'm yeah. kind of there. Yeah, I really kind of. As, honestly, as a matter of fact, I actually um, looked up Bliss while I was watching this. It's on uh, Shutter. Yep, it Shutter. is. So I may pull the trigger. I think I watched the trailer on Shutter. If the trailer's there, I think I watched it. Um. Yeah. For me, Stephen Lang's a given. Right, coolest dude ever. Yeah, but for me, I. I mean, who doesn't like William Sadler? Sure, he's been in everything. I, I yeah. love him, but like any time he shows up. But at I, the same time, who follows William? Sad- you know, like he's not. Every sorry, ever since he played Death in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, uh, I'm sorry that was it for me. And then ever since then, I've been a fan, and I and I will watch him in everything. He's in everything. I'm saying I don't know that I have ever cared about William Sadler. But he was fuck. He's maybe my favorite part. If we're saying Stephen Lang's a given as the best, but like I thought, William Sadler was awesome. I loved their rapport. They were so great together. He was such a good guy. He's like a great second in command kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like if you watch like old war movies and stuff, and you have the sergeant in charge of the troop, and then you have that. It's like um um. Who was that in, in uh, the second in command in Save a Prime Private Ryan? Um, is that Tom Sizemore? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks <laughs> was in charge of the troop, and his second in command is. Oh right. Was that Tom was that? Sizemore? No, Tom Selleck. I'm it kidding. Whoever it was, <laughs> right. like you love that character because he's so loyal to the main guy. And but he also helps keep the rest of the troops in in check. Yeah, that you just he ends he kind of does end up like if you go back and watch every war movie, there's that second in command of the troop, and they they're all just like William Sadler in this. You just kind of you just really latch onto that character. And I I loved his little drunk stories, and he was he was just great. But I also really liked 
the the main two bad guys too. I thought he was that skinny little punk ass, poor bearded little guy was a bad a good bad guy, and his that girl the that girl's second command was badass too. I don't yeah, think he had enough that, spikes that, on his jacket though. That that heavy guy named Tank, right? Tank come bulldozing in there, and yeah, that's Josh Ethier as the tank. He's one of the main guys in Joe Begos's crew. Um, but like the 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 head, it's got a great head explosion scene. I mean, it rivals oh, the one in uh, Chopping Mall. It rivals the one in Dawn of the Dead. I saw that, and I'm just like, damn. Uh-huh. And then you just you just see freaking, you know, Stephen Lang. He just breaks open this, you know, this double barrel twelve gauge and just yells out the door. Anybody else want to come into my bar? <laughs> you know, I'm just like, yes, that is just like you know, if even if you weren't interested up until that point, and it was just like I was like, man, this is my kind of movie. I'm just like, yeah, I'm 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 ready for the ride, man. Let's go. We all know that one-handing an axe is nearly impossible, but seeing him do it, you're like, God, he's such a badass. <laughs> oh, he's so tough. By the way, it was Tom Sizemore in Saving Private oh. Man that I was thinking of. So He played... I think Tom Hanks was, was the captain. It was Tom Green. And, and Tom Sizemore was the sergeant. And it's, it's like that in all war movies, where it's like the sergeant, because he's the middleman, like... He he's like best buddies with the captain, but he's also best buddies with everybody underneath too. Tommy Two Tone, yeah. yeah. And I and I won't go too far off topic, but you just made me think of something when you're talking about that um, Saving Private Ryan because there's a new podcast I've really enjoyed called Dead Eyes, and it's about an actor who was hired to play that role in Saving Private Ryan, and he had basically rearranged his life, made it to the set and everything, and then. Tom Hanks fired him on the set before they could film because he told him he had dead eyes. And so he's doing a podcast where he talks to actors wow. and, uh, about oh. he talks to other actors about a time when they were either fired or something um, they thought was life or career ending for them and how they bounce back. So it's pretty interesting. Tom My Hanks. God. Tom Hanks fired him? Yes. Oh, not America's sweetheart. It was the yeah. last he was the last nice person in Hollywood left. Right, and that's what's interesting about the show is that he's like, you know, I'm the only human alive in this world that has anything against Tom Hanks. And he's like, I've told this story to a million people. And they side with him even though they don't know him. Yeah. He's like, uh, you know, my mom would like defend Tom Hanks over me. You know, It's and, probably the right decision though, right, Deadeyes? Right. He doesn't, right. Hate, he, doesn't, he doesn't hate Tom Hanks for it anymore. And he's... I the podcast isn't over, and his sort of over the episodes he's talked to people who have direct contact to him. So I'm really hoping at some point in the show they get to talk. That would be amazing if Tom Hanks survives. He's already back in the U.S. He's over it. He's good. He's he, he's he's, uh, he's cured. Yes. Okay. Good. He's immune. I've been worried like us. Oh, he's not immune. Oh, isn't? I wonder. Anyway. Um. Yeah, so this movie is awesome. I was a little worried there at the beginning because, man, even on Jason on your TV, it was hard really to make dark. out what was going. It was so freaking dark when everything the, was just in red. Bliss is very dark too. It has a lot more neons to it. I but cool. I I think Bliss and VFW are like sister movies. You guys will love it. I'm I, telling you, if you like this. 
go please go watch bliss but, it's so badass yeah i thought mike you would love this movie based on the red and blue gel budget alone oh i i do appreciate <laughs> that yes it was but, one or the other or both most of the time and that was all the lighting but you gotta have other color in there too otherwise i can't see I, what's going on i didn't on. know that i would hear you ever say that knowing oh, what you whatever. sound like on set that's whatever but, it was i'm just saying it was hard to make out there for a little while. It was, and and it was. I was starting an actual Blu-ray bit. of it might be a good thing. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Just thought if anything, your TV would make it look. No, right. it's the it's the version that we're watching. Oh, okay. That's part of it. I, I I'll tell you later about part <laughs> of a story about that, but okay. Yeah. BFW, good call. And I'll be honest, the whole reason why I, I picked this topic is because you mentioned VFW, Andy, and the possible movies to pick from for this. I'm like, mm-hmm. yep, that's got to be it, because I've got... I'm tired of listening to all you fuckers talk about it, and I'm just like, i got to see this movie! <laughs> <laughs> like, everybody's talking about it. Like, every podcast is talking about this movie, which is awesome. It's sort of- yeah, it reminded me, like, uh, we have a VFW here, and I have some friends who, like, know some people, and they go in there, and it's like, I would never, even in the, even if I was invited by a friend, I would be like, I, I don't belong in there, man. Like, I didn't serve yeah. a single day. Yeah. Like, and it's just been one of those things, like, like one of the few buildings in town, I just am not, I don't belong in there, man. Like, Yeah, it almost feels, like, disrespectful to step in there, you know? Right, exactly. But, you know, mad respect for every human that oh, goes yeah. in there. Yeah. Yeah. They earn the right. I feel like this is one that you could, like, pull up uh, when you're, you know, visiting your veteran dad on Thanksgiving and, like, hey, you want to watch this movie? He'd probably, you know, most dads <laughs> would probably think it's pretty badass. <laughs> Paints them in a badass light. Mm hmm. And that's cool. And that's, yeah, that is another thing that's cool about it is, like, Giving these older actors, you know, a story about, you know, where the protagonists are elderly people. You don't get that about being very elderly. Much. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, this is Cocoon with shotguns. Right. It was, like, it was um, almost promoted like that. Like Late Phases is another one, yeah, one that I a, really like because of that as that, well. That's a gem of a movie. I don't it think is. that gets an, I don't think that gets enough uh, love. I really don't. I oh, it doesn't. I was yeah, I agree really pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. What doesn't get enough love? Late phases. Late phases. Okay. The the old man, blind man who has to fight werewolves in an old retirement. Yeah, home. yeah, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's probably it then. I feel yeah. like I feel like there's more yeah. to say about this one, but. I, I, Especially I, after as long I as we went on about from dust to dawn. <laughs> is, uh, well, the only thing I have to say to our listeners about this is watch it. <laughs> Just watch it. Yeah, if you never listened Dude. to Andy before, do it now. Uh, He's right this time. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you what. You know what? <laughs> you don't even have to watch the other two. Just watch this one. <laughs> True. Uh uh, even, the, even though the other two are, are really, really good, uh, but this one is, 
you know, top marks, five stars, whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, watch it. <laughs> so I guess we should all thank Tad for Yay. introducing this movie to us. It's yes, about damn time. time. He's good for something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So three years later, it pays off. Having Tad. Any honorable mentions? Have a good night, guys. Hey, shut this <laughs> <laughs> any, any honorable mentions from anybody about bar horror movies? I, I that there aren't going to be mentioned in shout out, so I'll just not mention them. All right. I I do have one, um, but unfortunately, you would have to put up with Hayden Christian Anderson. He's actually in it, but it takes place in a bar. And it's called The Vanishing on 7th Street. It's got a very uh, Twilight zone vibe to it. And John Leguizamo is in it as well. And Sandy Newton. And it just it takes place over the course of like three days. And uh, basically it's like these... Uh, shadow people are kind of like taking over the earth and like the sun is slowly, you know, dwindling away each day. Days are getting just shorter completely. And they all end up getting stuck at this bar that's got like a sort of really weak generator. So like the lights keep flashing and these shadow people turn out to be old spirits of the dead trying to drag away people like to death. And um, they keep uh, these these survivors keep hearing voices of dead people that they used to know. Like John Leguizamo keeps, you know, I, I, it's been a while since I've heard of him. So like one character will like hear their dead kid calling for him. One, you know, uh, character will hear their, their brother that they lost five years ago. But like every time these lights keep flickering, uh, like when, when the, uh, when the lights go off, you'll see like these shadow people move in closer, but like, and then the lights will flicker back on and then they'll be safe. So it's an interest. It's an interesting movie. It's not as good as like the ones we mentioned, but, uh, it's definitely, you know, bar, it's definitely barroom horror. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, it'll be time for segments here on attack of the killer podcast. Be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. And we're back. It's time for segments here on Attack of the Killer Podcast, starting off with everybody's favorite, shoutouts. It's time for... Shoutouts! Hey, we've all had another round. All right, let's get to it. It's time for shout-outs. Uh, we just asked what your favorite horror movie set in a bar is, and we 
had some pretty fun answers. On our Facebook page, <coughs> we got Nightmare Junkhead. Woo! It says, can't do wrong with a triple feature of Demon Knight from Dust Till Dawn and Near Dark. Nice. Yep. Near, Near Dark, dark scene. yeah. Uh, scenes. Yeah. Woo. It's a great scene. I hate it when the ain't been shaved. <laughs> Should have known there'd be a quote. Having, having a little trouble with your hog leg there. <laughs> that shot, that shotgun, that's what they call a hog leg. Uh, Nick Leadham says, From Dust Till Dawn is all I can think of. I loved it when I was a kid, but watched it years later and thought it was just pretty good. I should give it another shot soon and see if I'm back to loving it. The first half of Death Proof is in a bar. Does that count? Pretty underrated in my opinion. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it takes. Oh, there's plenty, plenty of the movie. Yeah. Totally. I mean, if we're counting from Dust Till Dawn, only half of that's in the bar, to be honest. That's also true. <laughs> Um, up next, we got Scott Alden from the Movie Defenders Podcast. Hey, what's up? What's up, fellow PFPNers? He says, Still Dawn is at the top of my list, man. Now, way, it's not I've seen it I'm pretty so sure many it's t- supposed to be No Way. Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. No Way, it's not. I've been in... Oh, I've seen it so many times. And who doesn't want Selma Hayek pouring a drink down her leg? I mean, come on. I'm sorry I'm not sticking anybody's toes in my mouth. Not Fuck no. Hayek. That's gross. Tarantino's a freakazoid. <laughs> then we got Scott Reebsman says, Shaun of the Dead and Feasts come to mind. Shaun of the Dead. That was going to be one of my yeah. honorable mentions. Yep, yep. Then one of our... Uh, Awesome Attackers, uh, Brett Royer, says, Feast. Hey, Brett, what's up? Feast is awesome. Yep. And then our pal Mike Reeb, the Reebster. BFW fucking rules. Yeah, it does. Goddamn right. <laughs> boy, Mikey. Also from Dust Till Dawn <laughs> and Death Proof. Nice. And uh, that's all we had on Facebook. Uh, in the Facebook group, a lot of... A lot of cold shoulders in there this week. Nobody. Huh. That's yeah. A lot of people looked. We, they... I say, we see when you see it, so uh, don't look if you don't want us to call you out. Yeah, you <laughs> sons of bitches. Fucking <laughs> comment. Anyway. Sort of like, uh, you know, you got to eat a cookie that you touch, you know? That's right. Yep. You touched it, you got to comment. So, over on Twitter, we got our other super attacker, Brian Godsell. He says, I'm going with grabbers. <gasps> oh my god! Quite nice, no, not thick. Wet, we, nothing wish like would have done that for the show. To be honest, part with two, you. man. It's yeah, part two. Yeah, Grabbers is awesome. Nothing like yeah. aliens attacking a small village in Ireland. I mean, you can't get any more bar centric than that. The, the <laughs> way the to survive the mo- yeah is to drink. Ah, <laughs> oh, Grabbers, good one. That is a great. One. Okay, oh. that's the part two. Will we could we'll just call that one for the road. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Nice. And then uh, over on the Instagram, we got Rugged Angel. Remember her? She was on the podcast a while back. Mm-hmm. She says, from dusk till dawn. Nice. It's good. Yeah. It's good. And then we have our buddy Don and Nelly. 
He says, so get ready for some obscure shit. Here we go. <laughs> he says, I have good memories of Devil's Den. Oh, yeah. Okay. No? I know that one. And the Dust Till Dawn sequels aren't that bad, but the only other one I can think of is The Bar, although I've yet to see it, so I don't know if it counts even. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I saw that one pop up when I was looking at bar horror, yeah. You know one I was I'm bummed out and no one mentioned. What's that? I was waiting for it. Shaun of the Dead? At the well <laughs> not not Shaun of the Dead, but at the world's end. Oh I know. Oh yeah. yeah. That's, it's not that's, horror. It is. I would say Sean is more horror. Yeah. Okay. It's sci fi. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there's, it has there's, yeah. it's got Alien some toes. Creatures killing. Yeah. yeah it's, it's about it's being more at like a bar. A, yeah. It's it's, it's all like about it. being at the bar. <laughs> it's Several like bars. Drunk, like a drunk invasion of the body snatchers kind of thing. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and Sean, you know, takes a place a lot in the Winchester. Yep, at the Winchester. Now, there's only one scene at a bar in this next one I'm going to bring up, but it's an it's an awesome scene and that and probably the most famous horror movie bar of all times, uh, but American Werewolf in London. Oh, yeah. At the Slaughtered yeah. Lamb, baby. Slaughtered Lamb. Yep. Yeah. That's a good one. Yep. But grabbers, man, the, that's the one. Oh, grabbers! That's the one. <laughs> what was the What was the name of the pub uh, where the guys? Not, not the Nicolas Cage one, but in the Wicker Man. What was the name of the pub in that? I can't remember. Oh, because shit. he kind of stayed. He kind of stayed above it, and there was a I, bar down. Yeah, below. that's right. I remember yeah. what it what it was not. <laughs> not the bees. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, I'm wrapping it up. That's shout outs. Remember, you can always give us a call at our voice and leave a voicemail on our hotline, our AOTKP hotline. Call us at 415-952-6857. That's 415-95-AOTKP. Leave us a voicemail and we'll play that shit on the show. That's shout outs. How you doing? This is Christian Slater. <laughs> now... What we're going to do right now... Oh, greetings and salutations. <laughs> um, apparently, there's, uh, there's a little segment on our show. It's probably the one you don't even fucking like that much. But, <laughs> uh, you can listen to it if you want, preferably, you know. We went to the trouble of fucking recording it, so we'd appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, it's, this is called Insane's Picks, and I don't know whether he's picking his nose or picking his ass, but uh, it's probably got something to do with the film. I'm going to hand it over to Mike. Give me a second. That's right. Christian Slater to intro your segment. Yes, thanks, Christian Slater. Uh, I'd say thanks for taking the time to to do that, but I know you've got nothing else going on. Oh, Uh, so for Insane's picks for this episode, (coughs) I'm doing a movie from night. A movie? Uh, Maybe from 1973 called Blood. Spelled B L O O D exclamation point. So uh, it's blood. 
Um, also known as Black Nightmare in Blood. Written and directed by, that's right, Andy Milligan. First time I think I've ever done an Andy Milligan wow. movie on this show. Because I'm not as versed in Andy Milligan as I should be. I've only, I think I've only ever seen the Ghastly ones, um, which is probably his most famous one, maybe. Um, at least that's the one I've always known him for. Uh, and then I also have the Blu-ray of, uh, what's, I forget the name of it, uh, it's one he did in the 80s, something Flesh Pot or something. Um, with, and that's not a horror film. So, so, so I just don't, I've not seen enough Andy Milligan to get versed in it. So... Now's the time, uh, and I'm going to start with blood! <laughs> in the 1930s, Dr. Lawrence Orlvisky, easy for you to say, or Volsky, and his wife Regina move back to the United States and move into a modest house in a quiet neighborhood so that the good doctor can continue his experiments. See, his wife has a condition, and he's trying to develop a cure for uh, for her condition by using these rare plants that feed on human blood, so they you know they constantly feed the plants blood, but apparently um, the United States is too good is too good of soil. I don't remember what he said for the plants because they uh, they start becoming completely carnivorous and they eventually uh, start eating people. Um, but he also uses the plant to kind of help with his own affliction. See, he's got something wrong with him, too. Because apparently, the good doctor is a werewolf. <laughs> See, and there's three, there's three uh, servants in the film, one of which um, has an incestuous brother that shows up and starts asking too many questions. So, um, Regina has to get rid of him. Now, it turns out this movie has an amazing twist ending that I'm going to spoil for you because you come to find out that not only is the good doctor a werewolf, but Regina, her condition, she's a vampire. Uh -oh. And she just happens to be the daughter of Dracula. Dun, dun, dun. This movie is only 57 minutes long. <laughs> That's why I'm like, movie? But I'm counting it. Uh, it's... On YouTube, that's where I watched it. <coughs> it's in all of its 57-minute glory. Um, I don't know if if the movie was originally like this, or if maybe like the DVD release of this is any better, but throughout the movie, especially when they're in the house, there's, the, there's this very annoying sound that really kind of takes you out of the movie, where it sounds like somebody rubbing balloons right next to the sound, uh, next to the oh, sound God. guy. It's just this constant <laughs> noise going on in, in a lot of the scenes. And it's very distracting, and I hate it. But overall, the movie's great. Um, you know, it's it's not heavy on action, but when do you have time for it? When it's 57 minutes long, right? Uh, but uh, when you do get some action, it's fun and nutty. You know, seeing the, the, the good doctor when he turns into a werewolf, or seeing the wife vamp out. Um, uh, so I would ch totally check it out. Like I said, you can check it out on YouTube in its entirety. And that's from 1973. Blood! And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Closing time. Yeah, I'm not sure that counts. What? Oh. 
Last call. <laughs> One last call for alcohol. So finish your whiskey or beer. It's been a long time since I've sang on the show. Yeah. So there you let's, go. Let's go for another <laughs> long time. <laughs> hey. ah, that's a show. Good night. Oh. <laughs> now, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, thanks to everybody being on the show except for Tad. And uh, we'll talk to you on the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Oh no, could this be the end of? What?